What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 235th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and with me is just, it's just the two of us. Travis is with me today. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Uh, didn't quite. It's, it's more like, just the two. I think it's up there. Um, hey, how are you? Good. You got a pretty decent singing voice, Travis. Thanks, Steve. Most people just make fun of me. No, it's good. I'm super tone deaf when it comes to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Things are good. I didn't want to talk about Destiny, but... I guess we're. I guess we're here. I mean, you're you're singing. You can't say I forced you into doing it because no, no. all I did was sing just the two of us. You reminded me of that because there is a an achievement in Destiny that you have to ring seven bells, and you need more than one person to do it. So me, Irene, Micah, and my friend Tyler are are like there's six bells, so we have to like move between them to ring them in a certain order. Pretty much we have to play the song that the Rise of Iron song from the new expansion. Mm. And they were like, well, as soon as you hear the bell, you know, move to the next one and get ready. And I was like, honestly, guys, I think all the bells sound exactly the same. And I know they don't. <laughs> but you just have to tell me what the bells number. Like, don't tell me that it, it, it rung. Just give me the yeah. number. Let me know. I'll move. Uh, after we played the song, I still, I didn't hear any song. I just heard gongs. Uh, <laughs> but, but we did it. We got the achievement. I can't hear anything. Maybe that's good or bad in a talking only podcast. Well, I mean, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, you stick with your strengths and we're not going to be starting a, a musical version of ISC anytime soon. <laughs> not yet. Not with that attitude, Travis. <laughs> what's uh what's new with you still been playing pokemon go i realize i'm probably the last person on earth although i'm I, i'm not the last person on earth and here's proof my city has and i realize this is true of a lot of places but grand rapids is has a very small team instinct presence if the the gyms are to be uh indicative of the population <laughs> Okay. To the to the extent that until today I had never seen an instinct gym that lasted more than a day. I discovered a level six instinct gym, uh, kind of by where I live, but I was walking aways, and there was just a level two mystic gym pretty close to me. It was before that it was pretty high level, so I thought, oh, it's only level two right now. I can take it. So I went out and I. Or no, it was Valor. It was Valor. And so I went out and I and I took over the gym and I kept walking to the next Pokestop nearest me. And I, I turned around after reaching that Pokestop and it was maybe 10 minutes later. And there was already some dude parked by that gym taking it back for Valor in the span of like 10 minutes. So I still think that situation is weird. And I've done it. I've been in that situation where I pull my car over on the side of the road to do something in Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. And it, obviously, because you want to be safe and everything, but to see somebody on the side of the road looking at their phone and you're playing Pokemon Go, so you know, you know exactly what they're doing. It's still like a, why? This game exists and it's there and it's still weird, I think, to me at least. I don't know. 
Well, the weirdest thing is that the dude was on call. I mean, either it was a coincidence that he happened to be driving by right after, or or perhaps he lives very close and can see from his house the that the instinct filth that I am took over his gym and hopped in the car. But even still, that's a weird action to make to say, stop everything. I need to go and take back the gym next to the McDonald's. That's kind of odd. Um, the best part is that as I walked by, cause I had to you know walk by on my way back to my apartment, I saw him in his car and I just gave a little wave. Like, <laughs> like we're both here for the same reason. Right, and right. I know that the, the, uh, the, the cruel thing that you just did to my poor, the, the, the one of, of two instinct gyms in like 50 square miles. <laughs> uh, let's do a healthy living update here. So our, do you consistently walk? Are you a walker? Are you one that moves the legs across the sidewalks? I really enjoy walking and, and biking. I It took Pokemon Go for me to get back into walking. I, since I graduated from college, I guess, I haven't been as good at, at getting on my bike or going for a walk. But when I was in college, I went on a lot of bike rides and, and walks. Um and then I kind of let it drop off. But Pokemon Go has provided the incentive for me to walk again. I see. What about you? Still drinking the water and drinking the Soylent. I, I, I consider Soylent healthy living because it's my alternative to then sure. going to McDonald's, right? Anything has to be better than that. Yeah. I had a listener, though, write in um, after our big Fiji water debate. And they wrote in this pretty long email and they attached a link. And my apologies for not having that email up, but... They pretty much asked me not to buy and drink Fiji water, and they said I should just stick to smart water. Both waters I enjoy a lot, and the water debate of, you know, those are more expensive waters, and I think they taste obviously different than tap water, and I think a lot of tap water tastes different too. I might be tone deaf, but I feel like I can taste the difference in a lot of different waters. All of the your ability to differentiate tones has has been channeled into your ability to differentiate taste. Right. I usually only drink Smart or Fiji water, or I should say, I should only I only buy those different two. And when I was at the store, I forgot to buy, and I was at checkout, and I turned around and I was like, Ah, Dasani, I guess. 24 for $4? Sure. And I just bought that. And I know Dasani's made by Coke, I believe. Uh, I know that it's probably... I think that's right. It's probably tap water. Um, but 24 bottles of water for $4. Uh, that is a heck of a deal compared to Smart Water, which is like $6 for 6 Right. So I think that... What do you like? What am I... I'm like working my way back down to tap water. Because I'm definitely okay step with by step. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely okay with Dasani now. And I and I don't know if, if I told the, the the story to the listeners. The reason why I hated water, like I was a very like six cans of soda a day kind of guy. Um, when I was trying to get healthier, I started with Water Joe actually, which was water with caffeine, which is fine. It's 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 good, but that's what I drank in the morning. When I like went off soda for thirty days, and uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm working my way back down to kind of being okay with any water. So I think I'll stick with Dasani for now, unless there's something bad about Dasani. But Coke makes both Smart Water and Dasani. So healthy living update. 
We got a show for you guys today. Eight minutes in. Let me lay out the show here. We got the third Pokemon Generations short. We have four new Pokemon to talk about. A couple small articles. And then, if you're a new listener, or if you're here and you made it past the first eight minutes of Pokemon Go and Water Talk, we have an interview with Adam, who is also probably known better as Gaijin Hunter. He does the YouTube videos of the weapon tutorials and the item tutorials in Monster Hunter 4U, Monster Hunter Generations, Monster Hunter Cross. He is an American that moved out to Japan when he was 21. He's been in Japan for 16 years. Uh, He just got up and pretty much went to Japan without knowing much of the language from my understanding he learned it mostly while he was there uh so that if if his twitter or his his talking about being on the show has brought you here uh that interview is about an hour long and should probably appear i don't know like 45 minutes to an hour into the show i'm not exactly sure how long travis and i will ramble about the stuff we have and then after that uh so uh, Adam does talk Pokemon Go as well as some other Pokemon stuff, but we do talk a bit about Monster Hunter and like getting into Monster Hunter, people, uh, first impressions with Monster Hunter, stuff like that, because Monster Hunter is a super intimidating game, but I think there's a lot of overlap between the Monster Hunter community and the Pokemon community, and we also talk about that. So then he requested the Pokemon of the Week, which Travis has, and he will make a move set for, but with that being said... Let's dive into some news. First bit of news here is the 19th movie, the X, Y, and Z collection, volume one, and the gold and silver LE editions or collections. All those DVDs are to be released in Australia finally. So that's going to be Pokemon the movie, Volcanion and the Mechanical Marvel. That's a mouthful. The mechanical Marvel being the new Pokemon, right? Magirna? Yes. That yeah, what, yeah, yeah. That's Magirna and uh, Volcanion. Uh, that's coming to Australia on December 7th. Pokemon XYZ Collection number one coming also to Australia on November or December 7th. That's going to be a three disc, 22 episode. Uh, Pokemon Series Gold and Silver Limited Edition Collection. I'm not sure what that that has but that's eight discs 158 episodes no day uh december 7th as well that must be the the johto yeah that's johto i see the box here it's it's a bigger box than has totodile cyndaquil chikorita on the front uh i don't know if it comes with anything or if it's just you know eight eight dvds this is weird because wasn't the the johto anime not really even called Gold and silver because it was Pokemon yeah. Johto Adventures or whatever. It's weird yeah. that they're calling it gold. I mean, Pokemon maybe I'm Johto. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe the Australia had di- different naming. I just know we mm-hmm. have a lot of uh, a lot of listeners from Australia, so I figured that news was worth covering. Jirachi Wishmaker De- and Destiny Deoxys also coming to Australia, and that also so and Pokemon Forever Celebi, the voice of the Force. Pokemon Heroes, Latios, and Latias. Some hot ash on Pokemon action in that movie, from what I've been told. 
Uh, those are coming. You, from what you've been told by you, because you <laughs> perpetually bring that up every time anyone mentions that movie. Don't act like you weren't the person who brought that topic to this podcast every time. Uh, you're not wrong. Uh, that's, that's coming. Uh, I, just, I just hope at some point we figure out what your fixation with is with Ash kissing Latias. I, I hope we can have that psychological deep dive to figure out why that in particular tickles you so i mean if you were to pick one moment in a movie that is the that's the moment in that movie (laughs) maybe for some people steve (laughs) those are all coming uh in australia on november 9th the pokemon forever pokemon heroes and jirachi will use a 4.3 aspect ratio uh Gross. Yeah. Uh, Destiny Deoxys will be widescreen 16 to 9. I'm sorry, Australia. That is... I'm pretty sure those movies were shot in widescreen. I definitely... Well, it's full screen. You get the, you get the full experience, right? <laughs> that's how it works? Oh, that's what my mom used to say. Uh, like, I don't want to be missing anything with widescreen. I think she was I always think that like, missed... She was always like, full screen is the full movie. Widescreen, you get black bars. You don't get as much of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we had I think, those CRTs. I think, thankfully, most... That, that misconception has died away. Can you even buy standard... Uh, do they call it standard? No, they call it full screen. Can you even buy full screen? I'm sure, like, Walmart is nothing but, like, full screen <laughs> $5 movies. It has to be. Speaking of my mom, uh, she didn't have her car on Friday and Saturday, so I had to take her, take her to work one day and then take her home the next. My mom was pretty into Pokemon when it first came out. She, oh, really? Yeah, she really liked... Uh, she played my sister's red. So for Christmas, my sister got red, I got blue, because obviously blue is a, a boy's color and red is very... like Red, <laughs> red is the girl's color. Duh. Um, <laughs> so my sister, not the biggest gamer, but we both had Game Boys, and I was a hundred percent completely sucked into Mount Blue, obviously. And my mom and my sister kind of shared a cartridge because uh, my sister would have a lot of difficulty with the game, even though she was like older than me and and whatnot. But uh, my mom was a big fan of uh, like the Squirtle line and everything, and so she yeah she played she played some Pokemon. She also Loved the mini games in Pokemon Stadium. My mom, one of the biggest Mario Party fans in the world. So when when you take those mini games out and you add Pokemon to them, that she was she was a hundred percent in for that. Just loved the mini games in Stadium. She loved Pokemon Snap. Big big fan. Uh, who didn't love Pokemon Snap? Is the better. True. As as Pokemon progressed, um, oh she loved Pokemon Pinball as well. Big pinball fan. Kind of as I got older. And we moved away from the Nintendo 64, and we moved away from the Game Boys. Uh, she didn't really play Pokemon as much. I mean, she still played, like, the newer Mario Karts and stuff. Like, like right now, my, I would say my mom is the Candy Crush gamer, the, like, little, like, iPhone slot machine kind of thing. Um, definitely still into Mario Party and stuff. But anyways, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking her to work, bringing her home, and... We we're just talking about stuff. I was telling her about the Destiny expansion just because she was asked why she asked why I was up till like six a.m. and uh, then she was like, "Oh, do you still play Pokemon Go?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, like maybe 
an hour or so a week, nothing religiously. And she was, she like had things to say about Pokemon Go. Like <laughs> she has been in, in the deep end with Pokemon Go. And I love how, so I butcher Pokemon names all the time. I think that's, that's both frustrating for people and also enjoyable for people from what I've been told. But my mom called Vaporeon. She was like, my highest, my highest Pokemon. She always says Pokemon too. Like, she's like what's your highest pokemon and i was like ah, i don't know mom probably like like 1200 and so she's like that's it she's like <laughs> she's like this is mine she's like this is my vi- my viper mon and it said <laughs> i was like excuse me and i looked at the screen i was like mom that's vaporeon and she- <laughs> you're one to talk though it runs in the family it does it does i was right i uh, I was raised with both. I, I did have. I, I had a speech. Pro- I don't know if I've ever said this. I had a really, really bad speech problem as a kid, hmm. uh, and I, I, when I was in elementary school, I got pulled out of class. Uh, I was, you know, you have thirty-two kids in a class or whatever. At least my elementary school did, and I was pulled out uh, every single day at like two p.m. Uh, for speech, and mm-hmm. I thought I, w- I was both excited because I felt special that. I I was like handpicked to like <laughs> do this extra activity, but I also felt a little like disappointed that I felt like I was missing something. Mm. I don't remember much about elementary school, but I remember I couldn't say the word boat. And all I was trying to say was like, you know, as a kid, I feel like most kids are very excited about like trucks and right and buses and like trains and everything and i think like for the first time as like a five or six year old or however old i was i like saw my first boat and i was trying to explain that to my teacher as my mom was dropping me off and they were both looking at me and i was like like i said i was like five or six and i'm like crying uh because i just wanted to tell them i saw a boat and the word i was saying they just didn't understand they didn't know yeah, and so yeah, I have a I had a speech problem. I've, I clearly, obviously, still do have a speech problem. Like I can't say the word volume uh, and <laughs> some other type of words, and I get I get uh, a little a little hassle for that on stream or whatnot. And that's totally fine. I I I I think that people laughing at the fact that I can't say certain words is like slightly like makes me glow on the inside. That like just I can make somebody laugh, and that's fine, and they joke about it. But my mom definitely knows Weedle. She has no problem saying, like, expressing her hate for Weedle to me. And, um, <laughs> uh, she, she, she calls Pidgey the bird. She calls <laughs> Ekans the snake. Uh, she, she calls Evie the dog. So she's very, like, very, uh, very stuck in, like, so uh, why doesn't she call Vaporeon? Why doesn't she call Vipermon the water dog? <laughs> the water dog, right? Um, she her favorite Pokemon is Zapdos, so she was on Team Instinct. She was very uh, upset with me that I was on on Team Mystic, and I was like, <laughs> I just I just liked Articuno more than and than Moltres and and Zapdos. Um, but her favorite thing in Pokemon Go, which which I thought was interesting. Her her absolutely favorite thing was hatching eggs, mm-hmm. uh, and and to me I don't yeah they're there but I don't I I just think it's that it's cool that Pokemon Go is this pretty simple game 
And for her to be like, this is my favorite part is when an egg hatches and when I go to a Pokestop and I get a new egg and I can get ready for it to hatch. And yeah, I just, I just thought that was interesting. I want to, secretly, I want to like record, record a conversation with me and my mom and her telling me her love of Pokemon Go <laughs> and you guys hearing uh, how, how she says Pokemon names because to me, they're, they're, <laughs> they're really like, yeah, keep going. This is great. This is, this is gold. <laughs> and and people thought my mispronunciations were funny. Keep going. Keep going. Let me tell you about Vipermon. <laughs> uh, what do we got here? Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions. They are still touring. They're actually coming to Milwaukee uh, on September 30th at the Riverside Theater. Uh, hopefully, I am going. I say that I say that it's like five days away, but I'm actually supposed to be going to Minnesota that weekend. So trying to see how much time I need to get there and what we're actually doing in Minnesota. So I'm not sure if I'm leaving Friday or if I'm leaving Saturday. So, but that's going to be at the Riverside in Milwaukee, uh, September 30th. They are going to France, October 7th and October 8th at the Grand Rex. Uh, they're coming back into Dallas, Texas, October 29th. Uh, they will be in Mexico City October 31st and November 1st at the Pepsi Center. I don't know why that's so funny to me. The Pepsi Center in Mexico City, Mexico. Moving on to Atlanta, Georgia, November 19th. Miami, Florida, December 3rd. And then wrapping up for the rest of the year, London at the Inventum Apollo Theater on December 19th and December 20th. So if you have not been to Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions. I definitely think that is... If you're listening to this podcast, you're clearly uh, a Pokemon fan. And if you haven't treated yourself to to Symphonic Evolutions, I think there's two ticket ranges. There's the $35 tickets and the $75 tickets. Just get the $35 tickets. Go with a friend. Uh, I feel like it's like one of the best and most entertaining two to three hours that you could have as a Pokemon fan. I think I've, I've, I've been to two... I think Will's been to two or three. Just, they just seem to be in the, the D.C. area a little more. And from my understanding, talking with some of the people that work on that show, uh, they do switch up the songs a bit. Like I said, I think it's definitely worth going. Um, if you want more information for that, PokemonSymphony.com uh, to check that out. Uh, final bit of news here is uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, Victini will be said and done September 1st through September 24th. Uh, you can get Victini through the Nintendo Network. It usually always, always works a day or two afterwards. It pretty much works up to the the next Pokemon. Um, but if you have a copy of Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire uh x or y you'll be able to now you should still be able to get victini it was level 100 let's talk about next month though uh october 1st through october 24th you'll be able to get keldeo the my little pony pokemon that's going to be also through the nintendo network so no gamestop needed keldeo will be level 100 it is a water slash fighting type pokemon with the ability just justified it knows the moves aqua jet double kick bubble beam and everyone's favorite, Leer. <laughs> that's, that's an odd pick there. <laughs> I have a. I, I just had a flashback. I, I don't know. I don't remember what tournament it was for. It must have been before 
Nationals. It must have been before. I mean, my memory might be completely incorrect, but I remember a an argument that I did not partake in, but instead just watched uh, in the chat box of, I don't know if it would have been Pokemon Showdown or, yeah, I guess it probably would have been Showdown at that point, um, where Keldeo had not yet come out and a tournament was around the corner and Keldeo was supposed to come out before the tournament and people were arguing about whether or not Keldeo would completely break the meta upon its release or not. And maybe I'm making all of this up, but I have a vague memory of seeing that argument happen. And if memory serves, it did not shake up the meta as much as people thought, although it is a very good Pokemon. Remember in the TCG, Keldeo was, was extremely popular with uh, a Blastoise deck. I heard the movie was bad. I have, that was one of, one of the few movies I have not seen is the Keldeo movie. Speaking of animation... And movies, Pokemon is doing these $4 shorts. $4 shorts. Four-minute shorts. $4 shorts. Gets you right in. I keep calling them trailers because, to me, they're, they, it seems like a trailer to a movie. But they're short animated. It's a short animated series. 18 episodes. One episode a week. We covered episodes one and two last week pretty in-depth. Uh, I was pretty happy with how that coverage turned out um as for our giovanni talk and giovanni giovanni's gym being closed and then reopening giving uh ash and gary or blue and red um badges a lot of people tweeted or wrote in explaining that there were more than eight gyms in the Kanto region and so for example gary if i'm not mistaken in the anime had 10 badges before he challenged Giovanni, which would be his 11th badge. And another person explained that the fighting gym next to Sabrina's gym was closed, and that, but that used to be a gym. I saw that same tweet, and so I looked it up, and from what the research I did, it seems like the fighting dojo competed with the... That's Koga. That's the same town as Koga's gym, right? No, the fighting dojo was in Saffron, which oh, was okay. Sabrina's gym oh, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. And the Slipco. That. Yeah, yeah, you just said that. So the what I saw said that the dojo competed with Sabrina's gym to be the the gym for the town, but always lost because of the because the of the type, type advantage. Yeah, because um, so what I said was a gym. What I said before was like gyms are like the hub of the city, right? Right. So they would it wouldn't make sense for a, a city to have two gyms. That would be like a city having two uh, two city, shopping malls in one town. How or like, outrageous! Or like two city halls. Right. Right. Um, the other, yeah. So I, 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 I could, I could subscribe to that theory that there are more than eight gyms in a region. Like I definitely. Where are they hiding, though? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Where, where, where are they? Where? Show them to me. But the other thing that was well, that was that I thought was interesting is somebody said that there was an investigator on the SS Anne in red and blue, and that that possibly could have been Looker back in the day. I don't remember that too well. 
I don't either. And I can't, it's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that was the case. It makes it more fun. So yeah, if it's plausible, why not just decide (laughs) that's what it is. Sure. Episode three is called the challenger. And it opens with a panning down to the elite four. Uh, they really went overboard with the animation in this trailer. I heard this. See, I keep saying it. This, uh, <laughs> this, this short. But before before we move on from the the showing of the elite four, what are what are your thoughts uh, on the opening of this? Oh, I thought it was a. Uh, I thought it was probably one of the. Uh, the Pikachu one, uh, the first one was probably the best of these. I think that the Pikachu short was likely my favorite, although I did like this third one better than I liked the second one with Looker and Giovanni. I thought that um, I thought the battle animation was pretty, although we only saw a tiny tidbit of the battles that Blue does with the Elite Four. It again poses a confounding lore question in the same way that almost all of these have where you wonder given that Lance is just a member of the Elite Four at this point who was the champion before Blue got there? Was it just no one? What does the role of the champion signify? It signifies sometimes one of them. Sitting in a dark room waiting for somebody. Right, and, and, and so you can kind of so at first, when I was watching it with Carly, my significant other, we were, uh, she was saying, wait, do they, as we, were, as we were watching it, she was saying, wait, do, do they just wait there? Do they just stand around until someone shows? And I was like, no, 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 no. It must just be when they're notified that someone has eight gym badges. Right. Then then they show up to me it was it was going back to like city councils or like courthouses or juries it was like we are summoned for our duty but correct me if i'm wrong but it seemed like at the end when red rolls in into the room where blue into the champions halls where blue is sitting that he seems surprised that red is there Maybe I'm wrong. I thought he, I thought he seemed to be expecting. Oh, okay. So then maybe that explanation is correct. Yeah. So it it opens with all four of their doors opening and them talking about how a challenger is coming and and L'Oreal saying that you know don't worry guys you're you won't get to battle because I will stop him first. Uh, we see L'Oreal, Agatha, Bruno, and Lance. Bruno says did, nothing. While we're, while we're on that subject, is did did you notice? It seems like Lorelai was depicted way more male gazy than she is in any other media. <laughs> Am I wrong about that? What do you mean by male gazy? Um, like at the risk at the risk of just putting it in such blunt terms, it looked like her breasts were gigantic <laughs> compared oh. to how they're depicted, like in the. <laughs> uh in the art for the games yeah yeah i mean <laughs> in, in this if you were if you were to flip the coin they made agatha real old and they really put some line work into her face and i also think that bruno had more abs than humans do 
Right. I think I didn't count, but I think he had like um, more than than a human is supposed to. So there was some. I think you were a hundred percent right. All over the place. I yeah. think you're a hundred percent right. But I, I would, I would, I would take that further and say all four of them were definitely pushed in their respective directions to True. the max. No one Although has. I never thought of. I never thought of Lorelai as this sex object. So I guess that's why that one surprised me when. That one surprised me more than seeing Bruno be a strong man because Bruno is already a strong man. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard to get uh, a, a sexy person across in in sixteen bit pics. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so they get together. They uh, they do their thing. I I think it's interesting that so far in these three episodes, they never say the words blue or red or ash or Gary. And of course, there is big debate and everyone gets very frustrated if you call red ash or if you call gary blue or because clearly they're they're different people if you were to ask me i would say you're thinking too hard about it because blue and gary literally have professor oak as their their grandpa so to me they're pretty much similar people they're also both jerks and they're also both cocky and they're also both very confident um, and I would add into the mix the fact that the manga characters are named red and blue, and those are technically different iterations and different canons than the video games, which are then different. So, like, just even saying red or blue doesn't narrow it down to a single person anyway, so why be pedantic about it? <laughs> They're all the same people. Right, right. I I don't know... I, I would love somebody to point me to the article that says, like, these are very different people and why. It's like different versions of Batman, right? Batman is still Batman, but the Batman you see in the, the 60s is different than the Batman with Heath Ledger, which is different than the Batman and Superman. But at the end of the day, it's still Batman. Especially considering that uh, Satoshi and Ash are both alternate names when you start the game. Mm-hmm. In addition to to red, so it's it's just and what is it for uh, for blue? What do they call it? Is his name uh, is the alternate name for blue? And is Gary's name in Japanese? Is it? I don't remember what it is. I don't but remember. I remember. There's Regardless. also like a third name for all of them. Like I think one. I think red was like Alan or something. <laughs> Yeah, and regardless, I understand why people like to differentiate the characters because it lets you talk about what specific character, it lets you refer to a specific character and a specific interpretation of that character, but to correct someone when you know exactly what they're talking about is is a little ludicrous, especially considering that even saying red and blue doesn't narrow it down to manga or video game. Right. I'm pretty sure that they're not going to use the terms red or blue or ash and gary just to prevent that that debate or that debacle or I maybe right. maybe they don't care or they don't notice it's not like pokemon it's not like tcbi came out and said this is specifically this person specifically this person but who's to say that that the red character isn't something that's supposed to represent you still i think even if you were to name if I was to go through red and blue and I name myself Steve and I name my rival Travis, even if even when I'm playing, the Travis character is still cocky, is still confident, is still just a like jerk. me in real life. Right, cocky exactly. And confident. I wish I was confident. <laughs> so 
it does still kind of fit this like mold of your rival is this personality, which is what uh, they show in the the Challenger episode. So we get this pan around of all four of them meeting, walking together, pretty much getting ready. We go through eight doors uh, and we see we see the Challenger walk up, which in this terms, I'll just use the word blue because why not? Uh, pushes through the door. We see, is it Lorelei? I always thought it was Laura. Laura now I can't even remember. I think it's Lorelei. L'Oreal. Because uh, I was always thinking of the hair shampoo. <laughs> this is the, the first battle between the two of them is, is probably like the longest and the coolest. We see an Alakazam versus a Lapras. I think the yeah, animation yeah. is great. I think from uh, we see the first time from like Lapras's perspective of like looking around trying to figure out where Alakazam is and then Alakazam sliming Lapras into the ground and uh, a lot of showboating and a lot of like I I like the the jerk rival a lot. Yeah, yeah, the animations characterize him better than the dialogue i think right oh yeah the dialogue is super corny i'm like replaying it without the dialogue i think this is this is something you see obviously in in wrestling uh where you see a quote-unquote bad guy or a heel and they're just over overly cocky they're showboating they think they're unbeatable they're bad winners, and we see that with Blue, where he pretty much insults them on his way into the next room. I think that makes the good guy winning, or your character, uh, just more satisfying. And they they definitely set that up in the video games. They're they're showing that experience here in episode three. That is just just like a trope they use in other forms of media, like like I said, wrestling. Like the if the heel or the bad guy has a title and they keep winning it's more satisfying when you can finally take that away from them right i don't think bruno says anything the entire time i don't remember he doesn't say anything at the very beginning no he doesn't say anything at the beginning but he does he does say something when blue walks in uh we see machamp versus i'm waiting for him to throw out pidgeot i'm not a fan of I've never been a fan of, in any of the anime or the movies, a Pokemon slamming into their trainer, slamming into a wall, putting a hole in the wall. That's where you draw the line? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because it's ridiculous or just because it's, it's overused? Why? I think a little, uh, a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> sure. I mean, I can't argue there. I, 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 I just, I guess I don't have that specific hatred towards that very hyper specific <laughs> motif but I, I guess now that you say it it does happen a lot i think it i think it definitely shows that bruno is a brick house and didn't flinch at all when he got slammed into the wall <laughs> but machamp went down very quickly this is also the second time we've seen Ch- machamp in three episodes true i also uh, a second time we've seen a machamp did it go through the wall this time? <laughs> no, he didn't go through. It? He just slammed. <laughs> they should exchange notes on uh, wall-breaking techniques. Yeah, why, why is that one in the Elite Four? We, we saw some more impressive stuff from the Episode 2's Machamp. <laughs> I, think, I think Bruno needs to set up a trade. 
Uh, we open with Agatha's battle of Rhyhorn being on all four, which I think is interesting. I think it's... I love seeing that perspective of Rhyhorn on all four because mm-hmm. you see you see the salamander in him. You see the lizard form of Rhyhorn, except obviously he's all rock. And I think that's... We don't see that often. We see just Rhyhorn on two legs and it's, and it's standard sprite animation. Uh, Rhyhorn taking down an Arbok. Agatha is... Agatha is the most interesting character with the same amount of screen time and the same amount of... What's the word? It's not like they focus on any of the Elite Four characters more than others. Mm-hmm. And I think just with Agatha's Pokemon and Agatha's presence, and especially in, in this episode... You can just tell that Agatha has the most character and lore behind her. Yeah, she's she's interesting, and just the fact that she's an old woman is cool. <laughs> she has a cane, a staff, and a Pokeball is embedded in the top, and she opens that up for her last Pokemon. And the way that Gengar pours out of it is something I would have never thought in the twenty years of yeah, Pokemon yeah. to like happen. Like, every Pokeball has been thrown. Uh, thrown and open and then returned. And how she's... Nothing new under the Pokemon Sun version. And just seeing Gengar pour out into the shadow and then morph up is just amazing. Uh, we don't see that battle, though. We just see Gengar stick his tongue out and then we go on to Lance. Lance is your stereotypical... Uh, I'm the leader for no good generic reason, except I have Dragon Pokemon and... There's only Dragonite line is the only you're dragons. Gonna, you're gonna get hate for that. A lot of a lot of people love Lance. I'm not one of them, but a lot of people a lot of people cite Lance as their favorite uh favorite champion. I, Lance is the champion in the wrong generation. He is the champion in a generation where Dragon Knight is the only good dragon line. Wait, no, 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 no. He's not champion in Gen One. Oh, the, uh, blue. Right, he's champion in Gen Two, but doesn't uh, he still he can have... also get Kingdra? Kingdra, I guess. I think he still has two Dragonites. Right, he still has two Dragonites. That's my problem with Lance. Is let me let me pull up his team just so we're right. I'm pretty sure in Red and Blue, he has two Dragonites, one Dragonair, an Aerodactyl, and a Gyarados. That is what I'm pretty sure he has. His team in Red and Blue is. Gyarados, Dragonair, Dragonair, Aerodactyl, Dragonite. He, has, he doesn't even have two Dragonites. He has two Dragonair. Oh my gosh. And then a yellow. Yellow, it's the same, so I don't know why they listed twice. Oh, maybe the moves change or something. Probably. Yeah, they do. There's a difference in moveset. Then in Gold, Silver, and Crystal, he... <laughs> So the thing about Gold, Silver, and Crystal is that it adds Kingja, right? It adds another dragon for him to play around with. Except now his team is, and this is this is out of order just for the sake of the joke, his team is Gyarados, Charizard, Aerodactyl, Dragonite, Dragonite, Dragonite. Perfect. What a so team. it's in Gold and Silver that he has multiple Dragonites, and it's three. <sighs> and no Kingdra. Correct. That 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 right there is my core problem with Lance. 
Yeah, you're not even going. Uh, apparently, it takes till um, the rematch in Fire Rod and Leaf Green for him to finally get on the Kingdra train. Uh, the the episode does make Dragon Knight look a little intimidating. Blue throws out Blastoise. We don't we don't see a battle here. I mean, we we see two moves go at each other in a bunch of smoke. And the rest is up to our imaginations. <laughs> the unsatisfying ending happens of Blue sitting in the dark in the champion arena, looking at a Pokeball, waiting for Ash slash Red slash whoever slash you. Yeah. I think the ending does more harm than good. In what way? It, obvi- it obviously strikes the... It strikes the the memory in you of remembering your first time getting to the champion spot at the Elite Four, right? Of, I finally beat the Elite Four. Okay, there's more. There's more? There's more. And it does does at least strike with me that that challenge of, like, I remember the first time I beat Lance after, you know, countless hours and tries and feeling so good once I beat Lance and then knowing that there was not knowing that there was another fight and that I only had like one Pokemon left at like two HP and then being like broken in half to start over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's hitting at. But in the, and I think it hits that very well in the aspect of the lore and just the Pokemon universe. I think it fails at accomplishing or providing the viewer what the champion champion's role is in the Pokemon universe. Like we, I would concur. I would concur. Like I said, it's the fact that there presumably is no champion before Blue beats the Elite Four begs the question: What is the role of the champion then? Because we don't. And see- why isn't Lance just the champion, and they get some other chump to be the fourth Elite Four? Like, why couldn't they just do that? Is it that no one in the Elite Four can defeat the other three members, or <laughs> or how? Like, how does it? It the and it's the same with all of these shorts. They beg a lot more questions than they answer, and it, it just becomes frustrating. Obviously, I I don't ever imagine the Elite Four just sitting in their rooms waiting for people. I would. I always imagine that. You know, somebody goes through the gates to the Elite Four, and they register for a challenging the Elite Four, and then the Elite Four get together for the challenge. They get they get an email. <laughs> they they get a text on their phone letting them know at two p.m. tomorrow they got to battle some chump. You've got until some chump makes it through Victory Road to get your stupid butts up to the Indigo Plateau. Right, right, right. Like, that is their job, though. I am sure, besides the four of them battling people who have eight-plus gym badges, I am sure they do something in the Pokemon world or their region, just like how a gym leader is supposed to help run the town. So when a champion comes and becomes champion, one would assume they have to defend that championship then one would assume they have some other role. It's just hard to imagine being the best and being champion and then not knowing what that entails. 
besides defending. Maybe that's a, maybe that's I'm enough. Not, you're not you're not going to get an answer from me because I'm just as confused as you are. And I'm sure we'll get I'm, I'm, and I'll uh, preempt this. I'm sure we'll get tweets with, with people that provide some explanations. But regardless of whether or not you can come up with an explanation, I think it's fair to say that the exp- in the same way that the explanations we got for. So what's going on in Viridian City when Giovanni's not hanging out? That those explanations are referring to very specific events in the anime, like seeing Gary have ten badges that don't that don't really have an explanation. That that again answer more or ask more questions than they answer because hey, where are those other three towns uh, <laughs> or whatever? That most of the explanations you can find for these things beg a lot more questions, and it just proves that. While those things are satisfying in the game and to some extent the anime when the actual functioning of the society is secondary to the content, it's it seems like these shorts are attempting to flesh out the Pokemon world and and show the the workings of them if the second short is any indication and so it's frustrating to me, at least, when their attempts to do that just make me more confused. <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. I, I, I enjoyed... While we're being critical, th- that's not to say I didn't enjoy my five minutes watching it. Yeah, I thought this one was alright. I mean, I, I, think, I think you like these... You've been liking these more than I have. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I liked him. I liked out of all the people in the Pokemon world, I think the gym leaders and the Elite Four are are the most interesting because they they seem to stay stagnant with with the history of the towns they reside in and the regions they reside in. I'm more interested in the name raider. What's the name raider's deal? <laughs> Maybe they'll they'll uncover that. Is that all you do? And also, how can you tell that I traded a Pokemon away? And why does that make... Or how can you tell that a Pokemon I'm asking you to rate is a traded Pokemon? And why does that automatically make its name the greatest on the planet? <laughs> I, uh, There's so many questions. I, uh, I'm assuming that next week we won't be talking about the Kanto region anymore. I feel like... Now that we've seen the Kanto Elite Four, it would be weird to go back. I bet you're right. I'm sure we'll see Johto. They have to pretty much cover six generations in 18 episodes. So while there while there will be crossover, I'm I'm like like Looker, for example. I'm sure that there are other stories to tell. And actually, that's more exciting to me because if if anything, I feel like I am a pretty big expert on Red and Blue just because. That is probably that was my entire childhood, and that's why I remember all the gyms and all the gym leaders, and I have the memories of like in like Lavender Town and Cubone and the Elite Four and discovering Articuno and the first time in the power plant. Like I remember all those so vividly. And yeah, so I, I'm 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 very curious to see if if the remaining episodes can also trigger. Uh, those memories in me but we're gonna trigger a break and when we come back we're gonna talk about some new pokemon we only have uh four to talk about we have already talked we've already touched on two so we will be right back with our break 
And then we're moving into our interview and then our Pokemon of the week. Hey there, Pokemon podcast listeners. Do any of you play Minecraft? Did you know that you can play Pokemon on Minecraft with a mod, Pixelmon? Join the Pixelmon server that cares about bringing you the best Pokemon experience out there at play.journeygaming.com. Journey Gaming has four different Pokemon servers themed after the regions Hoenn, Sinnoh, Kanto, and Johto. Check out their website at journeygaming.com or jump right into Pixelmon experience on their server at play.journeygaming.com. I want to give a shout out to Pure underscore Riddle for this sponsorship over at journeygaming.com. Thank you so much for supporting It's Super Effective. And we are back from our break. This last week, uh, actually on September 20th, Pokemon Company revealed some new Pokemon because they haven't done that in the past. We've barely yeah, seen for them. any new Pokemon of Sun and Moon. It's not yeah. like we're going to have the whole Pokedex shown to us prior. <laughs> uh, so these are exclusive Pokemon to each generation. To each version, rather. Let's dive in here. Passaman? Passamane? Passimian. Passimian, that sounds right. Fighting type Pokemon. Simian refers to, uh, I'm not an expert on biology, but some sort of, some sort of uh, monkey or ape. And then pass is like pass because it's a, 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 a sport man. <laughs> uh, the teamwork Pokemon, how do you say it? Pass? I think it's Passimian. Passimian. Passimian attack. By throwing berries at their foes, they tend to live in troops of 20 to 30 who all follow one leader. These tribes and teams work to train and improve their skills. This Pokemon has the ability Receiver, an ability which no previous Pokemon has had. Receiver uh, can inherit an ability of an ally who faints in battle. This Pokemon will only appear in the Sun version. Uh, That's cool, I guess. Right? That seems like this Pokemon is set up for doubles. Clearly. It is, and I've been trying to think of what situation you would you could really take advantage of. But then it's like if you're already getting an extreme if you're already using a Pokemon with an extremely powerful ability, just use two Pokemon with that ability. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean maybe we'll find out that Passimian's base stats are very good, so you would want to Pass on a good ability to it, but isn't there a legendary Pokemon that has amazing abilities? I can't. Yeah, think there's of. some. There's some legendaries that have good abilities. I mean, I guess Shedinja comes to mind with Wonder Guard. So if if you're if you can get Shedinja to okay, okay, now I get it. So you <laughs> you put a life orb on Shedinja. Shedinja uses so Shedinja Shedinja has the ability Wonder Guard. Wonder Guard works where you only take damage if a move is super effective. Because of that very, very strong ability, Shedinja only has 1 HP. Typically, people run Shedinja with Focus Sash so that it takes super effective damage, Focus Sash triggers, and you get one more chance at being hit before Shedinja dies. 
but you could run Shedinja with something that's meant to kill it, like a life orb, so it deals damage, and then life orb triggers, so you deal a little bit more damage, but then you take the one HP of damage, forcing Shedinja to faint, you then transfer that ability to Passimian, which is a Pokemon that has more than one HP and now has Wonder Guard, and maybe that's cool? I guess fighting has a decent amount of weaknesses, which Passimian is fighting type, but, you know... <laughs> I can think of strange situations like that that are sort of gimmicky, but I can't think of any solid foolproof strategies at the moment. Maybe one will come up, though. Next Pokemon is Oranguru? Oranguru? Yeah, like Orangutan and Guru. I think right. you're saying it correctly. A normal psychic Pokemon. I'm going to try to think of any other normal psychic type Pokemon as I read this, but I'm not sure of any off the top of my head. The Sage Pokemon Oranguru lives in the solitary deeps of the Alolan forest and, in fact, were once known as the people of the forest. Oranguru hold a fan-like object made of leaves that are known to be kind to other Pokemon in the forest, often giving injured Pokemon medicine or hungry Pokemon food. This Pokemon can, learn, this Pokemon can exclusively learn a new move, Instruct a move which makes the selected target use the most recent move immediately again. Uh, this Pokemon only appears in Pokemon Moon. I think that is more interesting to me. The in, that I think Instruct is more interesting to me than Passimian's ability receiver, and I realize that Instruct is a move and, and receiver is an ability, but or whatever Passimian's ability is called. You're right. The interesting thing about Instruct is that if Onan Guru has base stats that, and you would think it would, given its two, given its ability and its signature move, the ability Telepathy, which makes it so that it can't take damage from partner's moves, and Instruct, which is only useful in doubles, that it, hopefully Onan Guru would have the move pool and base stats to be a support Pokemon as sometimes uh, Pokemon like Cresselia act in doubles because helping hand is already a move people use where it increases the base power of your allies move and it has to be adjacent for for triple or for triple battles if that's kind of relevant um, your adjacent allies move by 50% and that already gets used because it's nice having a, a Pokemon that has enough HP and defenses to survive a long time, even if it's only outputting half of the damage as its opponent. But with Instruct, every turn you're dealing... Tw your your Oranguru, Oranguru is outputting exactly 100% of the damage output as of its first attack. And if people already are using Helping Hand in doubles, which sometimes they do... Mm -hmm. That instruct must be pretty dang good. <laughs> it, assuming Oranguru has the base stats and move pool other than instruct to make it work right. Like if all Oranguru has other than instruct are damaging moves, then that would make it difficult. Or if it had extremely high offenses, which it doesn't seem likely. But, you know, it, if either of those two things are true, then it doesn't work out. But that could be interesting in, in a double battle environment if that is true. Yeah. Both these Pokemon are clearly set up for double. Right. The previously shown puppy Pokemon, Rockruff, can evolve into a different form 
depending whether you're playing Pokemon Sun or Pokemon Moon, Lycanroc, Lycanroc, Lycanroc. Yeah, Lycanroc, Lycan... I don't actually know if it's like Latin or Greek or whatever, but it has some relationship. It's some word that has a relationship to wolves, which is why the often werewolves are referred to as lichens in various media, because lichen is a word that refers to wolves, and then rock is like rock because it's rock type. Right. It's just no K on that rock. Right. Which I believe was, I believe this name was different than what we talked about last week. I think we got the Japanese name last week because I remember mm-hmm. it not being as easy to say. The, we have midday form and midnight form. The first one being in Pokemon Sun, Rockruff is bathed in profuse amounts of solar energy and Sogaleo's influence causes this Pokemon to evolve into Lycanroc's midday form. This form is known for speedy movement, which can confu- confound its opponents. It's a very loyal Pokemon. A Lycanroc's midday form dodges opponent's strike whilst attacking with sharp rocks on its mane. Lycanroc's midday form can learn a Cell Rock, a new move unique to this Pokemon, which is guaranteed to strike first, damaging its opponent by slamming them very quickly. Uh, this sounds like a Aqua Jet. Or a sucker punch. Increased priority. Yep. Uh, the midnight form here. In the world of Pokemon Moon, Rockruff is bathed in an abundance of lunar energy, and Lunala's influence causes this Pokemon to evolve into Lycanroc's midnight form. This Pokemon will sacrifice its own safety to strike down its foes. The stronger the opponent is, the more excited Lycanroc's midnight form becomes its eyes glowing with the thrill of battle. This Pokemon feels a deep lust, a deep thrust, thrust, trust, lust, thrust. This Pokemon deals, feels a deep thrust towards a trainer who can draw forth its true power. Did we say that, did we say that the midnight form gets the ability inner focus, which is an ability that prevents flinching and the midday form gets, is it sand rush? Which is an ability that doubles your speed when under sandstorm conditions. Uh, no, we didn't say that. My press, le- my press release here from TCPI does not mention abilities. Oh, well, uh, that's, that's what it gets. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Oh, apparently, oh, the eye, apparently both can also get keen eye. Oh, no, it doesn't get inner focus. It gets vital spirit. I was incorrect. Sorry, I'll start that all over again. The midday form gets either the abilities Keen Eye or Sand Rush. Keen Eye is an ability that prevents loss of accuracy from moves like Sand Attack or something. And then Sand Rush is an ability that doubles the speed of... um, Sand Rush is an ability that doubles the speed of a Pokemon when under the effects of Sandstorm. And then Vital Spirit is the, so then the Midnight form can get two abilities, Keen Eye, the same as the Midday form, and then Vital Spirit, which is an ability that prevents being put to sleep. Uh, Two new Pokemon-specific Z-moves were also shown for some fan-favorite Pokemon. It says fan-favorite in the press release. Uh, Pikachu, exclusive Z-move named Cust. Catastropica. Catastropica, yeah. 
Uh, I got there eventually. Pikachu's exclusive Z move is super powered attack where Pikachu borrows its trainer's strength, wraps itself in high voltage electric power, then charges into its opponent. This is Pikachu's most powerful attack. Eevee's exclusive Z move is extreme Evo boost. Eevee's exclusive Z move uh, gathers together Sylveon, Jolteon, and more. <laughs> Jolteon, watch. Jolteon <laughs> has been found. Uh, all of the eight Pokemon that Eevee can evolve into will grant powers to Eevee. The highly powerful move raises Eevee's attack, defense, special attack, special defense, and speed by two. Z move aside. I think this confirms there are no new EV evolutions. True, because there were no other EV evolutions in the animation. I, I, I wasn't expecting there to be one. And as some people pointed out in discussions that included the Pokemon podcast account on Twitter, someone pointed I apologize that I don't have this person's name, but someone pointed out that typically you get typically you get new EV evolutions in odd generations is that what they said maybe not probably even no no because it's even yeah 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 yeah. it's gen 7 so you get new ev evolutions in even generations which i think is true because you got new evs in gen 2 gen 4 and gen 6 that is a great find three more little bullet points here the popular say i love the animations for both of those z moves they're really (laughs) cool and i'm curious if the Pokemon keep their Z move when they evolve. Because if that's true, holy cow, Eevee's Z move is going to be exceptional on some of its evolutions. Because you think how powerful Xerneas's Geomancy is, which is a move that does essentially the same thing, but takes two turns to do it, unless you have uh, the right item for it, and it doesn't increase all of your stats sharply. Holy cow, that Z move could, could do a lot. There you go. The popular character customization feature makes a return. I like how they say popular, like they knew what they were dealing with. (laughs) Personalize your character's clothing, hairstyle, eye color as you venture through the Alola region. Now you can even dye your fashions to change their color and make sure you pull off your favorite look while out adventuring. I think think it's interesting that you can dye your clothes... I remember when they showed the first uh, trailer of the the character walking, and I provided screenshots of uh, their pants being the same pants, but the pockets being red in one, the pockets being gray in the other, and their shirts were different. Same shirt, except one was blue striped, I think, and one was gray striped. And I remember tweeting those from the Pokemon Podcast account, and them getting uh, probably some of the most retweets we've ever done, because I at that point was like character this was before they confirmed character customization and i was like this this right here proves character customization and i remember somebody tweeting back and going no they this doesn't confirm it at all like they're they probably just didn't didn't color correct the 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 two different parts in the trailer and i thought to myself these trailers are very specific and designed to show us very specific things. They that wasn't they're not put together by an intern, which was like, 
Let's use the old footage of the trailer of the trainer in the blue shirt. And now we have this new footage from our second iteration of the game where he now has a red shirt. Like, that doesn't happen. I think, if I remember correctly, the person's original argument was that perhaps the trainer looked different in the two versions of the game. But I would say that's an equally ridiculous option. I think it's it, it was clear to me as well that you had customization. Right. You don't show off skin color and then show off two different shirts. And that's to me, that's obvious you're teasing it before right. you're announcing it. Uh, I think the dying, though, is awesome because there are definitely clothes that I liked in Kalos that I just wish were a different color. Mm-hmm. I think that's a an excellent solution. Did you notice the fact that you don't buy these, or at least from what we saw, you don't buy these with Poke Dollars? You instead have a secondary currency that's coin, some sort of coin? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, which is, which I think is very cool because, wow, those clothes were expensive in X and Y. <laughs> I think it's cool that it's it seems to be another currency that or they're completely replacing pokey dollars whatever with whatever this currency is but i would find that unlikely right 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 looks like they got rid of pokemon and me and they're renaming it well they're bringing it back but they're renaming it pokemon refresh uh a feature that lets you take care uh that lets you care for your pokemon i'm gonna be honest i uh it is raining really hard here all of a sudden uh, i'm gonna be honest i never thanks for your honesty uh i'm gonna be honest it's it's pouring outside right now I never played Pokemon Ami for more than 60 seconds. I didn't spend a lot of time with it either. I, I, I recognized that there were cool things about it, but I didn't do much of with it either. I, can't, I couldn't tell you what, what this new version is taking out or putting in or keeping. There seem to be a lot more grooming options. Like You can blow dry your Oranguru's hair, which you couldn't do before. <laughs> it seems specific to grooming a lot of options that uh, weren't necessarily there before in Onami. To me, the name change screams that people didn't understand exactly what it was. I feel like changing Ami to refresh is, is an, an easier way for maybe kids or, or just the general population. Don't, people don't, who don't speak French. <laughs> I just think it's like, hey, we need to simplify this name because we don't want to get rid of this. Well, and they had to change it because Kalos was based on France. And yeah. Sun and Moon are, are not. So, right. And Alola is not. So they had to change it somehow. Uh, what I got here is after a battle, Pokemon can sometimes end up rumpled and dirty. Pokemon Refresh <laughs> lets you clean them up, care for them, feed them Poke Beans. And even cure status conditions like poisoning and paralysis. Oh, now you've got my attention. Inflicted on them in battle. Pokemon that have been looked after in Pokemon Refresh can grow very affectionate and will battle to the utmost for you. This means that sometimes they may avoid attacks from the opposing Pokemon or even hold out when they are willing when they are on the verge of fainting. Take good care of your Pokemon in Pokemon Refresh. And they will be great allies on your adventure. That's cool that they're adding more. I, I, I remember that there was some added benefit where I think your Pokemon would level up more quickly. You would get more experience if you paid attention to them in Pokemon on me. But it's cool that they're adding more 
effects like that with refresh. I think that's neat. Yeah. Uh, finally, the last bit of news that came out of here, at least in my press release, is uh, the Nintendo 3DS downloadable software Pokemon Bank, an application that enables Pokemon and enables players to put Pokemon that they've had on past adventures into an internet-based storage boxes, will be receiving an update in January of 2017. This update will give Pokemon Bank application compatibility with Pokemon Sun and Pokemon New Moon and include a new national Pokedex feature. This, fe- this Pokedex feature reads save data from any compatible titles you connect to Pokemon Bank and collects the information about the Pokemon that you have caught. You can then check out all this information on Pokemon Bank application and even see Pokemon that don't natively appear in the Alola region. Pokemon Transporter will be updated to make virtual console versions of Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow compatible with Pokemon Bank. This means that players this means that Pokemon players caught in the VG original Kanto games will be transferred across into Pokemon Sun and Moon. And there you go. If I'm understanding that paragraph that I just read correctly, it is that once the update hits in January, that Pokemon Sun and Moon will read your Pokemon Bank and then fill in the Pokedex appropriately so you don't have to transfer them all to Sun and Moon, wait for it to register, and then transfer it back. Sounds like it to me, I guess, or that Pokemon Bank will have its own Pokedex in it and will register how many Pokemon you've seen and caught, or I guess just you that you have in Pokemon Bank. I could interpret either way. I'm not exactly sure. I would love for it to just link those dexes together. Not that like transferring them to your, your, your game is hard, but my worry would be my concern is I, you know, drag and drop all my Pokemon to the boxes in Sun and Moon. And then I close Pokemon Bank. I open Sun and Moon. And the UPS driver, you know, knocks on my door to drop off my Amazon package. And then I turn around because I hear this crash and my cat has picked up my 3DS and ran into the bathroom and dropped it in the toilet. (laughs) And now, (laughs) and now all my Pokemon that were safe on Pokemon Bank were temporarily on my Pokemon Sun digital download which is now at the bottom of a toilet and is hosed and there's no way for me to transfer those back to bank and therefore my bank is now empty and those pokemon are lost forever i don't know that that's what we're getting given that that would it would be hard to prevent people from duplicating pokemon in that instance what do you mean duplicating pokemon because all of those pokemon so say your 3ds doesn't get dropped in the toilet then you if what you're saying is pokemon bank is sort of a backup for all of those pokemon but what if you don't drop your 3ds in the toilet then you could just transfer all of those pokemon that you backed up to some other game and just do that an infinite amount of times because they're backed up in two places maybe i'm not making sense i don't know well when you move them to a game they're no longer in bank it's not duplicating them it's just saying that. So, no- what, so what is your what is the situation that you're my, saying? Your, my situation your 3DS is in the toilet. Uh, my situation is I don't want to transfer all those Pokemon to my game and then have my game be damaged because then there's then my bank is completely empty. 
and I can't. Right, but how would this do anything? How unless the, unless the, this is filling your bank when the Pokemon are transferred? How, what does this change? This would change. This would just say. This would just check the Sun and Moon Pokedex with bank. So it's just saying you own oh, so these your, po- po- your Pokedex still. Right. Yeah. It's not. Accurate. It's not yeah, moving sure. Pokemon. It's just updating the decks in Sun and Moon to say, okay, we've checked your bank. You do own Victini. You do own Genesect. Don't worry about transferring them over. We know. Yeah, got it. But uh, it wouldn't give you those Pokemon. Right, no, right. It wouldn't give it. It would just that, check yeah. it. Now we're on the same track. Um, I'm, 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 I'm su- I, I would assume in the all-internet world that we will eventually get down to the road of there not being a someone's PC. That bank is just that PC for every future game. Bill, you're getting outmoded. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. That's all the news that we got for this week. So before we get to our interview and then Pokemon of the Week, uh, this is the last week of September. We are recording this on September 25th. So if you're listening to this this week, uh, I am doing a special Patreon offer. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It helps support the show and lets us do cool new things. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash it's super effective. Uh, or just go to patreon.com and type in PKM and cast. That'll bring you there too. But if you head over there, uh, there's different reward tiers. Patreon is a way to support us monthly. And we offer rewards based on that. So if you support us for $1 a month, you get into our Slack where there are other, where there are over 200 people hanging out, talking Pokemon. Um, if you support us $4 a month, you get into the gold channel in Slack. That's just all the people who paid $4 and there are different conversations and different things happening in that channel. There are some other reward options too, but anyone who is already a Patreon backer, or if you sign up for Patreon in the month of September, uh, there will be a, there will be a Google doc survey going out, uh, the first week of October. And all you have to do is fill in your name, your address, and a couple other questions like shirt size and some other stuff. And I will send you free stickers and buttons and possibly free shirts. Not everyone will get free shirts. Uh, I'm, I'm guaranteeing stickers and buttons for everyone. But uh, some people will get shirts. Some people will get some other stuff. I have, uh, I have packaged and laying around my house that I just kind of want to share out to you guys. And so that offer is for any new Patreons or old Patreons for the month of September. You just got to... Uh, give us one dollar a month and uh, then come October I will be mailing out a bunch of stickers and buttons to people as well as some other goodies so that's that's my Patreon offer I know we we talk about we try to mention Patreon every episode I don't want to like bombard you guys with it I don't want to be like like follow share subscribe obviously you're here and I appreciate you guys listening but yeah just supporting us like means the world and lets us do cool new things and and we're we're trying to plan something for the end of the year something special for you guys and uh that is what the patreon money is for is is uh to do something like that so i don't want to reveal what that is quite yet because we're still working out the details but patreon.com slash it's super effective that would mean the world if uh if you threw a dollar uh our way uh otherwise what we're gonna do now is we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna be i'm gonna be sitting down with gaijin hunter uh, youtube.com slash gaijin hunter if you want to see his uh, monster hunter content but we're going to talk about some pokemon some monster hunter and uh living in japan so we will be right back 
And we are back from our break with our special guest here. Uh, it's weird because we always I always record these first and then edit them in afterwards, so I probably said earlier in the episode who the guest was. But I am here with Adam, who is also known as Gaijin Hunter. Is that how you say it? Gaijin? I'm really bad with words here. Yes, Gaijin Hunter. I know some people, I hand themselves Gaijin Hunter, and it just kills me. But yeah, Gaijin Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and you are known online. I, you're, I feel like you're all, your entire online presence is you are the monster hunter guy that doesn't work for Capcom. <laughs> I've heard people say that a lot. Um, some people actually think I work for Capcom. What I, I don't. <laughs> I just I just love the game Monster Hunter. Yeah, and uh, we here at It's Super Effective Love Monster Hunter. We usually mention it on the early parts. It's what we've been playing. It's we have the Slack community of you know two hundred plus people, and besides, and everyone there obviously loves Pokemon. They listen to the podcast, but the biggest channel outside of just the normal Pokemon channels is the Monster Hunter channel, which is actually probably the most oh, active nice. channel. And it's great, and I have a, I have a million questions to ask you, um, but I, I want to point out to our listeners, and I've said this a million times, and I think Adam will agree, I feel like the Monster Hunter community is the most helpful community of any kind of video game in the world. Like, they are so willing to help other people get into the game. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I think that contribute to that, but like, yeah, like, in general, like, people go out of their way to help people, and make guides and and play with people who are you know lower ranked than them and all that kind of stuff it's 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 just a really great cooperative community yeah yeah well before we get in uh just like all interviews that i've done we've done a lot recently uh if if you're coming into this interview because of adam or just because you're a love of monster hunter we did interview recently dan reichert from giant bomb we've recently did uh Austin Creed from Up Up Down Down, aka Xavier Woods from WWE, aka he probably has a million other names. But <laughs> Adam, who are you besides Gaijin Hunter? Who am I? Um, I guess the the most simple way to just put it is I'm I'm an American guy who lives in Japan <laughs> and who's obsessed with Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the time difference before before we started recording that it's 7 p.m. here and eight or 9 a.m. your time. Yes, I'm in the future, speaking back <laughs> in time to you. <laughs> so, a couple questions about your life. You currently live in Japan, but you're American. Uh, when did you When did you go over there? What What made you make that life choice of moving across the world? So I get this question a lot, and and it's never an easy one to answer. So I'll try to give a short answer. But like, as far as I can remember, back in like elementary, I've always been obsessed with everything Japan. I have no idea why. It actually was before I got introduced to games. Um, but all throughout my life, I just, I dreamt of living here and coming here and, and doing something here. So um, right before, right after I turned 21, I literally just quit my job, quit everything and moved over here. Um, I just saved up enough money to do like one year of language school so I can learn the language because I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And in Cleveland, you can't, they don't exactly have Japanese language courses all over the place. Right. So, <laughs> so I wanted to come here and learn the language. So I, I quit everything and came over when I was 21. And I've, it was make it or sink. And I've, I've managed to make it okay. And uh, I've been here now for 14 and a half years. It's crazy how time flies. That's insane. Did 21, did you have some college, no college? No college. Um, I did find before I moved here for about half a year, there was, um, uh, it wasn't even a Japanese teacher, but a really good teacher at the local community college who did some basic Japanese. 
So I did take like a very basic course for half a year, which was good. Gives me a little idea of what the grammar's like, you know, what hiragana and katakana were. But um, yeah, so no, I was just really just working full time since I've been 15, really. Okay. How was that life-wise, though, for... Like for me, I, I live in Wisconsin. I've always wanted to move to a different state. I personally mm. just don't enjoy the Milwaukee area. <laughs> but I, I know it's doable. But the thing that like sits at the top of my head is, okay, I got to get a job. Okay, my girlfriend has to get a job. Okay, like I have three cats. How do I move them in a car or uh, yeah. anywhere else across? Where did was, you just... I was, I was lucky. Like when I was 21, I didn't have anything. So I didn't have like, I didn't have a girlfriend. I, I'm... Even to this day, I'm not very big into owning stuff or having possessions. So I literally had one suitcase. That's all I had when I came here. And I just told my parents, anything else I have, throw away or just give away to somebody. I don't care. Um, so yeah, just one suitcase, come on over. And uh, it was the right time, I think, in my life where I had enough freedom to do it. And I just did it. Like now that I'm a family guy, I couldn't possibly do a huge move like that. It would be much more complicated, like you were saying. Right, right. Um, but it was a good time for me, I think. It does. How often do you get back out of Japan? I'm sure your 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 parents uh, weren't a fan of that decision of you moving across no, the world. They were, they were total fans. They, oh, they really? actually okay. helped support bring me over because they knew I've been obsessed with the country and they, they they just want their children to be happy. So they were really supportive, um, both emotionally and also even financially to start. Um, so they were fine with uh, helping me get o- over here. So that was really awesome of them. And you know, I, it breaks their heart that I haven't really come back, and I, it doesn't look like I'm moving back. Um, but they're happy that I'm happy. So, uh, I try to take that as a parent as well. And hopefully I can have the same mindset because I I think it's great. Um, but I don't get back a lot, you know, because it's not even for at first it was kind of like the money, right? Because the flyback costs a lot of money. But now that I work full time here, um, and I obviously do YouTube on top of that, and I'm a family guy, I just can't get the time off. So I think I've been back to Cleveland though about four times in the last four or five times in the last 15 years, almost um, about once every two, three years. Um, so not, not so often, not like some people who go back like once a year or anything like that. Um, but hopefully I can convince them to come out here. <laughs> <laughs> For again, I have a, a million monster hunter questions, but I kind of want to touch on Japan a little bit more. Yes. Yes. Japan's great, by the way, guys. Like, if you you guys want to come here, or if you're younger and you think, ah, oh, I'd love to work, live in Japan one day, like, it can happen. It's an awesome place. It truly is. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm spoiled. I can't live in a bigger city now that I've lived in Tokyo. It's like, uh, it's safer than Cleveland, and that was just a suburb. So right. It's good stuff. Big Monster Hunter guy you are, but I did see you tweeting about Pokemon Go, playing Pokemon Go. You were actually recently on the 8-4 Play podcast talking about your your initial thoughts of Pokemon Go. Is that, is, this is my Pokemon transition, obviously, is that, <laughs> is that uh, something you're still playing, something you're still interested in, or uh, where did that fall? So, I mean, I'm definitely one to be interested in trying things that are becoming really popular because... Obviously, for my day job or or just in general, it's good to understand why things are popular. And I've never really been a Pokemon guy. Um, however, I did play one Pokemon game, which I'll get to probably a little bit later. But I was really interested to see how it goes. So I went ahead and downloaded it when it came out, and I got hooked. Like, hardcore. <laughs> so <laughs> within the first, um, I think, two weeks, I got up to level 23, which is where I'm still sitting, unfortunately. I bought, like, walking shorts, like, you name it. Like, I went crazy. So... 
I've put in over, I think I'm, I think I'm at about 130 kilometers registered on the game. Um, but yeah, Pokemon Go has been really fun, especially in Tokyo. Like even here, I'm in the suburb. It's not so good. There's not a lot of Poke spots, but downtown Tokyo where I work, you can't even walk like 10 seconds without hitting something. Like it's just ridiculous. So Pokemon Go was really fun. Everybody else was doing it in Japan. Um, I don't really play it as much right now because I don't really like the radar system. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that I can leave my house and I know there's something nearby, but I don't know if I should go left, forward, back, or right. And if I take the wrong direction, it'll be gone by the time I get back and try another direction. So to me, it feels a little too random. So I think if they can fix it, like I noticed they were doing some uh, like some testing in some cities, they can bring that to Japan. I'll probably be right back in full full swing. <laughs> It's it's been a little over two months now since Pokemon Go came out. Are you still seeing people playing it in your area? Obviously, Japan is w- yeah one of the biggest areas for Pokemon. But are do you look over somebody's shoulder and and they're playing it on the the train or the subway? Tons or? of people are still playing it. I thought that you know the, everyone says oh the initial hype died out or whatever. But I'm if you go outside, everyone's playing it. Um, I was I just actually on Twitter I was on a boat going towards a certain part in Tokyo. And there was like a huge rush of people and it ended up becoming like news. Like some rare Pokemon came out and everyone went crazy. But yeah, people are still playing it a lot. Late at night, you'll see a lot of couples walking around with their phones. Um, you go through any park and there's usually about a good 200 people just standing there. It's really funny. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So I'd say it's still going pretty darn strong here. Uh, I think the, the mainstream hype has maybe down died down a little bit, and now it's more or less that core audience and a little bit of the light to mid-core users. Um, but I think all they need is an update, and you'll get a whole bunch of more people in there again. Right, right. Yeah, my my sister, who not a Pokemon fan at all. I mean, she was when she was like eight or nine, but she's still yeah. hooked on... Actually, yeah, she's su- still super hooked on Pokemon Go. She texts me screenshots of like, <laughs> of like oh, I just <laughs> caught a Scyther today, yeah, and then... I, I took my mom home from work because she didn't have her car for the weekend and she was just letting me hear, give, giving me an earful of Pokemon Go of like, oh, I caught that egg Pokemon. I caught the, the bird. I'm sick of the bird Pokemon. Uh, I love eggs. And I was like, Mah. I'm always curious outside of the, my bubble. I've, I've used Pokemon Go to get my daughter into Pokemon because she's seven and she, anytime I try to get her interested in Pokemon because... Even if I'm not a huge fan at first, like I know it's a great game and I've, I've had fun with the game that I played. So I wanted her to get into it. So um, I used Pokemon Go to do that. So like she's hooked. Like anytime we go out, she's like, boot up Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really good. She, she can she can throw curves better than I can. Um, but she she gets a kick out of uh, of, of catching the Pokemon and, and evolving them. And so now she's hooked on Pokemon. And then now she convinced me she wanted to play X and Y. So I, I bought, uh, I think it was X for her. So she's playing that right now. So it's her first game all in sort of, you know, this is the master plan as a father of having a second player for sun and moon. So <laughs> she's, she's totally hooked now. She loves the Pokemon and she's like, yeah, I want to, I really want moon. I'm like, no, I want moon. She's like, no, I want moon. I'm like, well, if you get moon, I have to get sun. Right. I was like, right. Oh, fine. I'll get sun, you get moon. <laughs> I was I was gonna ask if you were interested in sun and moon because I feel like that's that was like Pokemon's key marketing of like get go out and now yeah. build that hype for sun and moon. I'm telling you, it's working on us. I mean, because sun and moon, I saw the trailers. The game looks fantastic. Um, 
It looks a lot actually like uh, Monster Hunter Stories, which is coming out um, very soon in a few weeks here. Um, you know, same idea, 3D, turn-based. You can ride on your Pokemon, your monsters. You know, fun environments, colorful. It looks great. Um, but of course, Pokemon has such a rich library of, of of monsters that you can play around with. So I immediately thought that I wanted to play it. I don't know how much time I can dedicate to it because Monster Hunter Stories is going to take a lot of my time. But mm-hmm. I knew I was interested, so. I was going to get it, but now that I've got my daughter hyped, like it just seals the deal, so to say. <laughs> However, I may be a little late playing it because, again, I'll be focusing on Monster Hunter, and I want to get her a 3DS, 2DS actually, for Christmas. So I might make her wait a little bit before we get it so that she can have her own, her first game system. Oh, that's super exciting. That'll be, that'll be good for her, I think. There seems to be an overlap in Pokemon fans and Monster Hunter fans here in the in in the West. Do you mm. see that where you are in Japan? Honestly, I wouldn't say that I necessarily do. Then again, I think there's so many... I think by default, almost everyone in Japan likes Pokemon. So I, <laughs> it's kind of hard for to say, okay, do you like games? Yeah. Do you like Pokemon? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, technically it overlaps with everything at that point. Um, so it's kind of... It's so popular here that I think... It's almost impossible to distinguish, but um, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I haven't really run into most of my interaction, of course, was with gamers in the West when it comes to Monster Hunter. So to be honest, I'm not quite sure, but I'd assume that there's some overlap. I mean, it's the same principles, right? And uh, and um, the cooperation, the working together, personal growth, monsters, that kind of stuff. So, but then again, like Pokemon fans are like Monster Hunter fans, right? Like you play it religiously all year round, so. I can imagine it could be a conflict of interest when you have two hobbies like that, you know, <laughs> battling for your time. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. So you, I, I imagine that everyone will lean towards one or the other when pushed to given a choice of what to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and we both know Monster Hunter is one of the most time consuming games out there. Exactly. I don't know about, I mean, I played Pokemon Black. That was the only Pokemon I played because the marketing here in Japan was huge for that game on the DS. So I went ahead and that was my first Pokemon experience and I got 100% on that game. I went crazy. And I, I have one really, one funny story where I'm still upset about the Street Pass. I don't know if have you played through Black? Yep. Yeah. So you know how like you're in that town, it looks like skyscrapers, like the old city town, and there's a place where they do like Street Pass surveys? Yes. That is the main city, main city hub. I can't even... Yeah. Crisel- so, I, mean, I think. <laughs> I'm probably so getting that get wrong. out every day at work. And then I'd go to Shinjuku Station, which is one of the most busiest stations in all of Japan. And I would stand there on the platform for the trains, street passing people for like two hours. I did this after work like every day for weeks. And I got, I, it was, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact number. It was over 10,000 people I street passed. And I completed all the challenges and they give you nothing. And I was so upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my bitter memories is that I've completed every single one of the street pass challenges and I got nothing worthwhile for it but uh i had a lot of fun with the game but um i think because i overdid it um I, I i sort of stepped out from the series after that and went back to monster hunter but i mean i put a good probably few hundred hours into that but i mean i don't know if pokemon you can drive a few thousand hours out of it i don't know i'm sure i'm sure some people can the the thing about <laughs> the thing about pokemon is there's there's so many so many outlets I, to go to like some people are really into breeding some people are into battling uh, some people are into collecting and I feel like collecting has its has its end. Well, not really, because then people go for shiny Pokemon. Or oh yeah, I I forgot everyone's talking about the the perfect uh, 
the perfect stats, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's no one for so you are best known, at least your online presence is best known for Monster Hunter. How did you get into that series? <laughs> this is actually really funny because you were mentioning eight four play. Um, I actually got into it because of eight four play. So I mean, I living in Japan, I always knew Monster Hunter was a thing, right? How can you not, right? And I think it was back on, I think Monster Hunter Portable Third, maybe when I was here. And I was like, wow, this thing's really popular. And I had a PSP. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I tried it. And I think I tried it for like an hour. I'm like, no, not for me. And I just completely forgot about the series and discarded it. And then Monster Hunter 3G was coming out here. I think that was 2012 or 13. I can't remember. I think 12. I could be wrong. But I was listening to, I became friends with the the guys at 8.4, you know, outside. And in real life, we met up and you know, a lot of people in the industry here in Tokyo make friends. So and they're all, they're all in Japan eight, too. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to their podcast, which was Eight Four Play, and it was Mark McDonald and John talking about, I think it was the Jen Moran fight, and Mark was just going like, "Oh my god!" Like it just, you know, it was one of those moments like that I'll keep with me. It's like I was like, "Okay, I got to give this a shot." So they were doing a really big push for 3G here for the 3DS. So I went ahead and bought the like everything i bought like the 3ds the game the entire limited edition said okay i'm giving this an honest shot and literally a week later i thought i was going to sell it because i hated it because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, i didn't get it it didn't click right i went into it thinking it was an action game and i didn't think about it as a hunting game and i just had the wrong idea of what the loop was so after uh, a little coaching from a coworker, then going back and giving it another shot it just clicked one night and man it's I was gone ever since. Like once I clicked, uh, like I just, yeah, it went crazy. So I've been hardcore into Monster Hunter since, you know, a month after re- the release of Monster Hunter 3G and it's never stopped since then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got in with 3U on, on the Wii U and okay, so we're birthed in by the same title. So to say. <laughs> yeah. And my, my side of the the story was, I got a Wii U, it was collecting dust for months because I got it at launch, nothing really came mm. out. I mean, there was the Mario games and stuff, but kind of burned the, through those really quick, and yeah. they were promoting the Monster Hunter 3U demo, and so I, right. I downloaded it, and it probably sat on my Wii U for two or three weeks before I gave it a shot, and the only reason I did was, I believe it was Mark McDonald, and I think he was on a different, <laughs> I think he was on a different podcast. I want to say he was on a podcast. <laughs> right. I I think he was on a podcast with Garnet Lee and he was explaining this huge fight in Monster Hunter and it just sounded so epic, so awesome. So I finally played it and the demo and I was like this is super sluggish. This doesn't feel great. I can't do any damage to this monster. It was the uh the honey bear, the Azure. Oh my gosh. Wow, you you we have identical stories because that was the same one. It was the Arzuros. Yeah. I was like, I'm hitting him, he's not even reacting. I hit him for like three minutes, he didn't even die. Like, what's up with this? And uh, yeah, oh my gosh, well, this is funny. <laughs> and so I played it, I I stepped away, I came back like an hour later just because I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. And I was I was going through the weapons, and I actually wait. wait can I ask? Where, did you try using dual blades at start? Yeah, uh, no, I didn't. I, oh, okay. I I tried with the sword and shield, and then I went to like a bow gun, and I was like, this is even worse. Um, <laughs> and then I think I went to like the long sword, and I was like, this is terrible. I I did end up on, later. Timeout. What the heck? 
I did go to dual blades then, and that's where like the the little click kicked in, where I was like, okay, yeah. this feels a little bit better. And then I went to the hammer, and that's where I was like, I I like this. This feels Ooh, good. Okay. And so <laughs> then I I purchased the game. I was playing it. It was it. No joke. It was. It has been the only game in the past decade that I've gotten up early on my day off because I couldn't like I couldn't sleep. I wanted to wake up early to play it. Oh, nice! It got in your head. Yeah, it's it, one of the things I like to say um, when I'm talking about Monster Hunter, and it's just the way I, I like to think about it is that my time in Monster Hunter may be you know three thousand hours, but I have more playtime outside the game than I have in the game. Because you're constantly thinking about it, you're planning stuff, you're researching stuff. It just it it takes over your life. Yeah, and what <laughs> what what really helped is, I think two things. I think the Wii U to 3DS was like a huge um, benefit of okay, I can play this great on my TV. Yeah. The game looks gorgeous. Uh, I can play with a Wii U controller or Wii U Pro controller, and then I well, can take online too. Yeah, 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 and then I could take this out with me. And just play on my 3ds i think that was such a great um feature set yeah well the other thing was my girlfriend was watching me play and she was like i was like this looks really cool and i was like i don't i don't think you'd like it because she's not like she's not a hardcore gamer like she plays pokemon mm-hmm. and she plays like tetris and stuff but so i've just made a new character kind of set it up and i was like hey maybe you should start with like dual blades and stuff and like right away she was like oh this is really fun and i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> uh so she had a 3 ds we got uh her copy of monster hunter and then it was like for two months straight that's all we did like every time we had oh, free time awesome. i was like let's hunt together and that was such an incredible experience um and since then she i'm, I'm jealous <laughs> since then she's kind of fallen off because she preferred playing on the tv i see as opposed to the handheld like we got her for you and she just was like i just wish this one was on the tv so like yeah. Her big complaint is she just wants to hold a controller, which... It's understandable. Yeah. I get it. There's there's definitely that preference there. But no, I'm a little bit jealous. And I say that only because when I got into 3G, Japan was at least the at work. Like the the, the people who, who generally played Monster Hunter, I think 3G ended up gaining a lot of new players. Because a lot of the people who had played Portable 3rd or Freedom Unite, they were a little burnt out from the franchise. So... I could find nobody to play with. So I actually had to do, I, I went all the way through G rank solo. And that was, that tested my patience. And uh, <laughs> it made me a good hunter. I mean, in hindsight, I'm really happy I did it. But, oh man, without playing, being able to play with somebody, that was rough. I, I wish I had a, a similar story to that. But I, I always fall under the, the never hitting G rank. <laughs> I think I put... I think I put close to 250 hours, which is probably not nearly as much as other people put into Monster oh, Hunter that's 3U. That's a healthy amount, though. Uh, and I hit, I hit Hunter Rank 8, and the only reason that I never hit you were G... almost there. I, I know, I was almost there. The only reason <laughs> I never hit G is because I kept introducing new people. And so I ah, kept, so you kept starting back over. Yeah, and I kept going back and helping. And like I, have no, like, I do not feel like my time was wasted doing that. Like it was yeah. still super enjoyable, but I never got the experience of of G, and I just hit, I think, Connor rank four or five in generations, and I loved I, I I have a lot of complaints about Monster Hunter for you, but generations I feel like fixed a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, for for you is really good. I think at 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 introducing new people to the series. I think the way that they set it up and everything, the flow is really much better than it was back in 
the previous games, but Generations just assumes that you're a veteran and just throws you in there, and, and it's great. As a hunting tool, it's it's fantastic. I was going to ask, uh, what what is your take with the lack of instruction in the game? I think we both can relate to th- <laughs> to 3U of they don't yeah. tell you anything. They don't tell you anything, and the start is so sluggish. And it's even worse because they start you off with a weapon that they assume you know you need upgrade before you actually go and hunt something. But there's no one to tell you that. So you're like, like you said, you're up against this honey bear and you're hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And it's nothing's happening. And you're like, it's not dying. And the game just fails to say, hey, I just taught you how to gather materials. Why don't you look at what you need to upgrade your sword and shield and upgrade it once and then you'll be able to kick some butt, you know, but the game does nothing. Um, So I think for you did a much, much better job. And I was really happy with it. I think that. If they, you know, on like Monster Hunter 5 or whatever they're working on next, they they really, if they want to bring in new players, they need to do what they did in For You, if not more. But Generations is is obviously targeted at just serious veterans who want to experience all the different generations of the game. So they completely stripped out a lot of the tutorials. I mean, the tutorials are there, but they're kind of buried in like text. Um, and for those who read it, they're really good. But I think it's back to 3U time where it's a little hard to play, but... Luckily enough, they took out all the fluff, so you're not sitting there, you know, delivering eggs and gathering ferns for, you know, the first four hours of the game. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they did a fantastic job in, in fixing the pacing, um, but it, is, it does kind of just throw you in there. Yeah, and that kind of comes to, so really no lack, no, they're not good at telling you what to do, but in in my eyes, I had to go seek that out on YouTube, and that's... Mm where i found you and your videos i guess that's it's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing right i think maybe i think in japan there's this idea that if a game has a lot of depth then it's more detrimental to try to shove it down people's throats and then they go whoa this game is too complicated for me um and better to just let them play at the surface and if they want to go deep then it breeds the community mentality of let's help out each other i guess you sort of see that in the west with the souls games right like they don't horribly explain a lot and People just immediately, when they're interested to say, I want to know a little bit more about this, they go online and everybody's talking about everything. So um, it breeds more communication and, and sharing. Right. So it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I think they need to do more. Um, however, I do love the idea that there's plenty of room to try to help people. And, and if it helps somebody, then that makes my day worth it. So what was, what was your initial thought or your initial reason of you sitting down and making the videos that you made. Yeah, so this is kind of weird. So like I was doing, I started doing blogging when I was into 3G um, and then going to 4. It wasn't for anybody. No one was reading my blog. It was literally just me writing to nobody. Um, but I, I wanted to say, okay, I really love this weapon. You know, there's so many things about it. And I think the game producer in me said, well, how do you take so many complicated concepts and reorganize it in a way that it sounds like, hey, I could do that. So I started writing text tutorials, and I actually got, I think, like 300 followers on Tumblr um, after about a year or so of doing so. And I think one of the people was asking me about, hey, why don't you show us off some of the cool new stuff in Monster Hunter 4? I was like, yeah, it's probably a pretty good idea. So I just grabbed my iPhone, and I just recorded a few, like, really bad. I just recorded a few, like, videos and put them on a YouTube channel. Um, and I, I was like, so excited because I, I got like, you know, 50 likes. I was like, wow, 50 views on my video. And <laughs> people people enjoyed it. They thought it was cool. So I was really happy. But then it started getting to a point where 
I, I really wanted to help other people. Um, and I knew that my tutorials would be better as videos. And then it was just so happened that I, you know, the investment is huge. If you want to do 3DS streaming, you've got $250 or, or more for a capture card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really lucky because I was, when I was debating making that investment, cause I knew I'd never get that money back. There was like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a humble bundle with Camtasia. And I was like, Ooh, video editing software. I was like, okay, you know what? I got Camtasia for like 10 bucks went ahead and, and invested and made the videos and I was right. Like it's, it was the right medium for what I was trying to do. Um, and then, you know, I just, it was kind of funny cause at first I was a little terrified. I was like, I'm going to make 12 weapon tutorials and then I'm done because there's, you know, once you know that, what else is there? <laughs> right, 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 right. But lo and behold, you know, after I finished with 12, there was plenty of room to talk about other stuff. Um, and you know, and obviously with the release of for you, my channel shot up really fast. So being able to interact and help people is, is, I I mean, I suppose when you're in love, you want to tell everybody, right? So I just want to share the love. Um, and I get no greater enjoyment than, you know, reading the comments and someone saying like, I didn't get it, but now this clicks. I really enjoyed it. And I had a lot of fun this weekend. Like that's awesome because you know, that's, that's what I enjoy so much about the series. Really? This was your, like first attempt at making videos and your first attempt at the YouTube thing. Yes. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I mean, YouTube, again, I did it probably for a half a year. I did some really shoddy, just quick little camera videos, but I knew that I needed to give it an honest effort, so to say. So yeah, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm very happy with how it worked out. Um, still growing, still trying to figure out how to do it right. But um, like you said, I didn't even voice my, my videos at first because I didn't even have a microphone. I was terrified to talk. I, 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 you know, didn't know what I was doing. So, um, eventually I, I broke that fear and, and got a little bit more confident. And then I had some really horribly, God, you go back to some of my older videos and the audio is really bad. I'm like, hi guys, this is Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I was being super energetic and I was being, I was just trying to talk in a, in a tone or a speed that was easier to listen to. And of course you don't realize it when you hear yourself, but man, was it awful. You know, but eventually I got a little bit better. I'm still right, right. trying to get better at it, but uh, oh, it's been a, it's been. So I think I make YouTube videos not only because they really help people, but they also help me as well. I feel that I'm growing as a as a hunter, and I'm also learning a lot about creating media, and that's that's awesome. So it's a win win for every for for everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been doing this show for six years and yeah i was gonna ask what 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 got you started into to wanting to do the show uh mostly i was i was huge into podcasts i listened to a ton of them and i was there there was a video game podcast i used to listen to all the time it was called it was called one up yours and then i think they changed their name to weekend confirmed (laughs) one up yours (laughs) um but it was it was the people from oneup.com which was like i think some people from eight four play used to work with them if I'm not mistaken. It's, mm. it's all, that whole community is somewhat intermixed. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, every week they cover the games they play and stuff, like uh, John Davison, Garnet Lee, all those guys, and Heart, Gold, Soul, Silver, the Pokemon games came out, and I was like, oh, they're going to talk about it, I can't wait, you know, I love Pokemon, <laughs> blah, 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 and they, they, they skipped it, they didn't, they didn't cover it at all, and it was like, oh, like, <laughs> I, I, like how could they not talk about these games like pokemon games are bestsellers every like the month they come out they're yeah. they're number one your it's, call to duty <laughs> call to action and uh so i was like well I, there probably is a pokemon specific podcast and there were in itunes but 
not most of them were were on hiatus or haven't recorded or they were sporadic yeah. and i like to me I, I want something weekly yeah i want that consistency so i was like oh, i'll just i'll just start it and try it and <laughs> going going off what you said about like listening to older stuff and like oh like you didn't sound energetic like i felt the same way in in my older episodes like i've got here's a like a pro tip for people wanting to create content especially like audio content is like definitely listen to your old stuff <laughs> and I, I i i'm a strong believer of your equipment might not be the most important thing when you're starting but i think that it does matter in in the aspect of confidence it's just like uh, that's true you going to like a formal event you could put on jeans and a shirt and or like you you feel more confident like looking really good i mean i guess that's why people dress up for like, that's a really interesting point actually i never thought about that because when i first started doing audio i was literally talking into my iphone with the with the mic app i had <laughs> it's so bad but you're right you if if, you, if you're slouched over and you and you and you feel like you're hacking it then it, it makes it a little harder to to feel confident and and just blow out the horn so to say yeah yeah and it was funny because we were talking about audio software before um and i went through so many different versions of different audio softwares but like the the stuff i use now it's you know it works i it makes my workflow better it's great like i feel like i'm never like oh i gotta use this program and like they, no one ever wants to feel that when they're trying to make something like yeah i enjoy making content so i'm glad that the software and stuff i use is also like enjoyable to use now, if only they made it easier to capture 3DS. Huh? <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what motivates you to keep making YouTube content? I mean, you you have a day job. Yeah. You obviously put a lot of hours into Monster Hunter, but I'm sure that you would have even more free time not recording, editing, voiceovering, all that stuff. It eats a lot of time, especially I know it the video aspect. I, I... I, I'm this month I'm sort of unofficially taking time off just because it's been really busy in my other job and I'm a little burnt out. So I said, okay, I'm not going to commit to anything this month, even though I do find myself making videos. I can't step, I can't stay away from it, <laughs> but yeah, I spend probably a good, uh, I would say 20, 30 hours a week uh, on YouTube, whether it's research or making videos or, or doing something. But uh, I guess when it's your hobby, it's never really work. I guess that's the best way to put it. When you really love what you do, it, it feels like, okay, well, if I wasn't doing it anyways, this is what I want to do. It's like my hobby. So mm -hmm. I think playing Monster Hunter, I think creating Monster Hunter content has now become an equal hobby for me. Um, it's really enjoyable for me to to realize the holes in my own knowledge. You know, when I'm covering something I think even I know, and then I do the research, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like I just did a video the other day on... Uh, an item, the the shock, the what is it, the, the flashbangs, or not the flash, the, the, the sonic bombs. Oh, sonic bombs. Sonic bombs. And there's a few of them that I sort of knew, but I didn't. And so the, the it's not like I just pick up the 3DS record and boom, there it is. You know, like I, I have to do research for that stuff and make sure I'm not missing any really big ones. And I'm human, so I make some mistakes, but um, I learn as I make those. I was like, oh, I didn't quite really understood it. It went that far. That's pretty cool. So uh, it, to me, it's it's the same as learning and playing Monster Hunter as I'm as I'm teaching. I guess to to truly learn, you have to teach, so to say. So it's a, it's an addiction. <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of teaching, need sleep, right? Right. Yes. Sleep. Overrated. Sleep three hours a day. You're fine. <laughs> How? <laughs> what advice or 
at this point in time, how would somebody new get into Monster Hunter? I feel like even mm. with all the progressions of the game and making it easier, and yeah. it's still a daunting game. It is. I mean, it's it's horrible to say this at first because some people might be like, I don't have that, so okay, then it's not for me. But I would say if ideally the best way to get into Monster Hunter is with a friend. If you have a friend who knows Monster Hunter, just getting your hand held and, and just being with someone who gets the game for just even a few hours, I think, is is more than enough to understand the mentality that you go into the game. And I think then you can be thrown off on your own and do pretty good. Um, obviously, there's a lot of content on the Internet, not just my videos, but a lot of guides and and other very you know passionate videos of, of people talking about it. And I keep meaning to do it, but I it's just it's so daunting to me is I know Pro Jared um, made an made a really nice attempt to do it as well. well. Maybe not an attempt. He actually pulled it off. Um, but like sort of like the Welcome to Monster Hunter video series. Like how do, how do you play this game? But it's like the Holy Grail. It's like I don't even know how to approach it. But I think, yeah, ideally going in with another players is great. If not, then I would say, I don't know, just watch some videos of people playing. Um, I think I, sometimes it gives a good idea of, you know, monkey see, monkey do. And you mm-hmm. get an idea like, oh, this isn't devil may cry it's not a beat em up game you know it's this is a game about planning and doing this and i guess another piece of advice i would love to give people if they're listening and they're thinking about monster hunter is remembering that like any really good game that has a lot of weapons and classes so to say your experience with the game changes greatly depending on what weapon you're using and i know a lot of people will go into the game and try like the great sword because that's what they sell in marketing material right big sword you know and i'm sorry i don't even know if i could say that on your podcast (laughs) It's fine. We do like little Pokemon sounds of uh, if if you swear. So it's people usually okay. actually like it because then it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and and you try it and you don't like it, and then people, okay, this game's not for me. Well, that's not true. You know, it's it's like playing as a mage and then going in as a knight. You know, it's it changes everything. So I'd say give it a shot, try everything. Hopefully, hopefully it clicks. But you know, like any game, it's not for everybody. Um, but I definitely think if you like Dark Souls, if you like Pokemon, if if you could be a little patient and 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 love a game that goes deep, then I think you know it could be for you. Yeah, we we had uh, a lot more people jump on in in the Slack community that we have of of generations. And the first thing I kind of set up was like before you commit to anything, just go through every single weapon and try it out. Yeah, see what feels like it might be fun to use, right? Right, and especially because you're going to put all this time into the game, you want you probably have a different because you put so many hours in. But I feel like a somebody who's maybe like a casual or just I they play Monster Hunter, you know, once or twice a week. They're probably not going to be switching weapons that often. No, they're only going to play one weapon. Um, yeah, if 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 anything, a second one. I think that's actually not even just the light. I think that's the the mid tier as well. Most people only play one to two weapons. So finding something you like is is critical in in falling in love, and I I think that once the game feels like you, there's not much more to, else to do, tr- switching up to another weapon is like getting a brand new game. <laughs> it's like <laughs> here we go, here's another 300 hours. Right. Then you go into the next weapon, here's another 300 hours. You know, so and, and it it doesn't quite end. <laughs> For generations, they introduced uh, both arts and styles to the game. Oh yeah. Uh, what are I f- I f- it gives the game a different feel, definitely. I'm a little worried if they if they don't include, as I know this is technically a spinoff title, fourth generation. It's not a numbered title. Um, it's it's meant to be sort of like a a celebration of all things Monster Hunter. Um, it it kind of I don't know how I'm gonna feel if the next big game doesn't have styles. I'm so 
it feels so right <laughs> that um, I, I don't know. It would feel really awkward for me. So you're a, a fan of that change then? Huge fan, yes. Because, I mean, from a tutorial perspective, it's it get, it's kind of weird when you're making a tutorial for a past Monster Hunter game and you realize there's the way to use the weapon. And then everybody who masters the weapon are pretty much all doing the same thing. And that's fine, and the game is really fun, but until we really got to experience styles and then going into a hunt with other people with the same weapon and seeing that everyone has their own take on it and can play it differently. And if you're playing it differently, you don't go, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, no, maybe he has a different, you know, setup. Maybe he has different style. Maybe he has different arts and he's going for a different approach and you can do that. And I think that's a key thing for the West as well is being able to, you know, put your own personality into how you hunt. And I just feel so right. Um, and I love the idea of experimentation and and uh, not being horribly punished for trying out new things. Right. Which, yeah, the game's a little bit more lax than for you was in, in that regard. Um, the difficulty's been toned in a way that, you know, if you try something new, you're not just going to pound it in the ground right away. You know, so it's fun to experiment. So for a new person, would you have them start with for you or three you or generations or where it's it's that's a tough one because I, I get asked that a lot generations is by far the best monster hunter game uh from gameplay wise I, I i i can't see how any other game really compares to it except with the nostalgia factor maybe if you're going into it for story though you're not going to get any so i think people who are interested in story and maybe slowly getting into the game and having a little bit more handhelding picking up a cheap copy for you might be fun and if you really enjoy it then just put it down and get generations <laughs> um, but generations if you have a friend you can play with and there's online as well if, if you don't mind going in without too much handhelding then i think generations is the best monster Hunter experience you're going to get by far i'm gonna switch switch 180 degrees is there anything <laughs> in monster hunter you don't like <laughs> lack of voice chat sucks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think of it. We we all do really creative solutions. We we use um, Skype. We use Discord. Everyone's just trying to communicate with each other. I mean, granted, the fact that there's no voice makes it for some really fun, like chat experiences and using motions and gestures. But I think everyone would agree that voice chat would be a very welcome addition because it's hard to teach also new players. If you're in a room and they're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. If there was voice, then you could really help them out, and I think the community can bond even more. So that really annoys me. I really enjoyed 3U, just like you were saying on the Wii U. The experience of being able to to go outside on a handheld and then come home and play it on a big screen was really sweet. I would love to have that again in some form. I just it's just I'm a big Apple fan, so it, it bugs me that you you know you come you have all your data on your iPhone or whatever phone. It's it's all synced in the cloud like your save data, right? Mm -hmm. You come home and I can just sit down on my computer and continue where I left off. Imagine if Monster Hunter was that seamless. Like if they had an NX thing or something. That would be, oh, who knows what NX even is. But <laughs> right. Assuming that it's a console, because that's where the rumors are pointing. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, totally. I, I, it's hard for me to sit on my couch and play my 3DS when, like, I <laughs> the have big a screen's looking at you, going wink, wink, yep. wink, wink. <laughs> Don't you want to play on me? I'll be honest, though. I live in Japan, so my thoughts on the 3DS is definitely biased. We're always, you know, commuting on average is like an hour one way for almost everybody here. So being able to sit on a train or stand on a train and play on your 3DS is huge. So it, it does kind of terrify me that if they take it off from handheld, that my playtime will suffer as a consequence. You know, being able to play on lunch and stuff like that is, is really, I think, important for 
you know, salaried workers in Japan. So I, I don't know how I'd feel if they stepped away from handheld, but honestly, I don't care what format is. It could be <laughs> any format. I'll still play Monster Hunter. I'll love it. So it's all good. Is there still, uh, <laughs> is there, you paint this picture that everyone on the, on the train is playing a 3DS. Is that in reality true? <laughs> no, everyone's on their smartphone in, in reality. You, you can't argue that the uh, smartphone business has, has, stole, has stealed a good amount of people from the 3DS because they just go on the train and you can see it. But um, I would say, I don't know, there's just a lot of times when I see people do play in 3DS, whether it's waiting in line for something, which you do a lot here in Japan, or during their lunch break or something like that. You do see people playing their 3DS, definitely. Um, but right now, the smartphone market is sort of taking over people's time quite a bit. And of course, Pokemon Go. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Which also has a monopoly on, you know, your screen time. So that also shuts down any other possibilities. So we'll see if the uh, the plus will. Are you going to get a plus? Yeah, I, I actually got one um, oh, about a week ago. And how is it? It's great. It's super great. I uh, I plan on doing a review, but it's it's not what I thought it was. Just a real mm -hmm. short explanation. You start a session on it, and that session lasts a half hour. So you go in the app. You click the Pokemon Go Plus, you verify it by clicking the actual device, and then it runs in the background on your phone for a half hour. So really, you you know how when you close an app on iOS, you have the yeah. blue bar on the top, like, oh, Maps is up here, or Skype yeah. is up here. Uh, it does the same thing with Pokemon Go. And I see. So then when you're moving, when you're walking around, uh, it vibrates when a Pokemon's near and you all you do is hit the button and it either catches it or it doesn't and there's different okay. vibrate feelings for that and then when you're at a Pokestop you hit the button and then you're good to go you actually you, you shouldn't be using the app at all because the plus is handling everything um, but yeah I, I thought it was something that was going to run all the time or something you needed to charge but there's no charging port there's just a battery in it and yeah you just start a half hour session and you go which I think is actually pretty great um, especially if you're walking down the street to the store or to a park, you can start a session and then you can, you can like text or you can look up something in Safari and not worry about that. Cause that was my problem with Pokemon Go is like people are texting me and like you I want to have interact with anything. Yeah. Right. Cause I need this app up because if the app's not up and I'm not, I'm not getting my eggs hatched, I'm not checking into Pokestops. It's kind of weird though. If it's running in the background and the GPS is embedded in the iPhone and not the plus, then technically they could update the game so that you could at least have walking, maybe not capturing or Pokestops, house, but they could technically run it in the background so you can have your walking for egg hatching. I wonder why they haven't. Yeah, I wonder if that's like a battery life issue or something. Uh, uh, I know weird. in the half hour session that I did, uh, I, I lost 10% battery. Uh, and that was not, not looking at my phone, not doing anything. It was just simply, I want to test what the battery life is, is with this. Let's start yeah. the session and let's, and it was 10%, which, yeah, it's not, not the worst, uh, for 30, <laughs> 30 minutes of Pokemon Go. 30 minutes. That seems a little restricting, but I, I suppose for people who walk around a lot, that's, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it lets you know when the session is over so you can start it again if you want. That's good. Hmm. I, I have to debate getting one. Maybe. <laughs> They're hard to find right now, uh, at least in the States. Yeah. In Japan, you can't get them anywhere. They're totally sold out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I figured as much. Your uh, a couple more questions. You're known as obviously the Monster Hunter guy. I feel like I'm known everywhere as the Pokemon guy, but I, I am I am confident you have other hobbies and interests outside of Monster Hunter. 
Games or in general? Uh, you know, b- both. Uh, I'm I'm super into Destiny. That's probably like my my number one game of choice that uh, isn't Pokemon or Monster Hunter. I I'm a big <laughs> fan of WWE, unfortunately, and I watch spend too much time watching wrestling and regretting my time. But <laughs> what about you? I mean, like besides making stuff, besides Monster Hunter, besides you know family and work. Yeah. Oh man, um, I'm addicted to. Uh, believe it or not, I'm addicted to just learning in general. It's just one of my hobbies that I have a rule that I try every day actively to learn something before I go to bed. Like I have to, I can't wake up tomorrow with the same experience points as I have today. Is is how I think about it. Whether it's stupid trivia or something, I've got to learn something. So I'm on iTunes uni- University watching videos about computer science, about math, you name it. Always trying to learn something. Um, I, I have a, I have some parody accounts on Twitter, so some people know that I'm a huge fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson, Carl Sagan, Bill Nye, you know Brian Green, those guys. So science is definitely a huge interest thing for me, and watching videos that, that teach about engineering or science, and then because I can then take that and explain it to my daughter, and and she loves it as well. And understanding the world around you is just is just what I I enjoy, I guess. Um, I did build a my first game PC for the first time ever just recently. I plan to do some videos to talk about the experience and and the parts and and what I'm feeling, but uh, that that was fun. So I am looking forward to making some time so I can play some PC games. Um, I was just enjoying the Talos Principle, which I'm almost done with now. That was hugely enjoyable for me. And then just tech stuff. I like messing around with tech. So whether it's installing beta software for you know, a new OS or, or messing around with stuff. I just, I love fiddling and, and playing around with stuff. Cool. But game, game wise, it's kind of a mixed bag. I like, I try to play most of the big games just to see how they are, you know, and if I enjoy them or what they're doing right. And it helps me, you know, in my day job, making video games, know what are good ideas and what are not and, you know, possible executions. But, um, outside, uh, monster hunter, I mean, it takes up so much of my time that, uh, <laughs> I really haven't played too many games outside of it over the last few years, except you know I'm really big into Neo, um, and that's the new Koei Tecmo game coming out next February. It's like Dark Souls meets Onimusha meets, you know, uh, Ninja Gaiden. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's really fun. They did an alpha and beta, and I do I think I'm going to be covering that quite a bit. Um, I actually spent about a good four or five hours yesterday researching. Um, one particular Japanese demon, just so I could do a lore video. So I think that's going to be another fun hobby for me, um, which will hopefully you know will teach me some more things so that I can get better at teaching Monster Hunter. But uh, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> and Horizon excites me. I, I'm almost like the handheld user in Japan who just is now discovering console. <laughs> <laughs> so like Dark Souls Three, I never played Dark Souls. I tried to and I didn't like it. Um, three I absolutely adored, um, so I played that through. And Bloodborne I absolutely loved. I, I suppose I'm I'm into a little bit of everything, except for maybe not sports games um, or games that require a lot of time, like um, some of the adventure games that uh, with a lot of puzzle solving. That just I don't know, I get I say I'm easily distracted, but yet here I go and sit down for seven hours farming one monster in Monster Hunter. So <laughs> I suppose it's all subjective. <laughs> There's that there's that loot mentality that always Oh, triggers. actually, you know what? There was a second Pokemon game I played religiously. Um, Pokemon on the 3DS had the Rumble game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're like little robot toys, mm-hmm. and you collect them. That game, I 100%ed. I played it to <laughs> death. I went nuts on it. Um, that was really fun. 
Yeah. So if they made another one of those, I think I'd be all over it. I thought you were going to say shuffle. Too bad Nintendo doesn't really want you to make videos on their games. Right, yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to say Pokemon Shuffle. I feel like that's kind of the one game that also shuffle, broke, broke. Shuffle's the puzzle, like the Puzzle and Dragons ones. Oh, okay, not that. Not yeah, that. Yeah, uh, but no, Rumble is the, the little mechanical toy ones. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> game was so fun. Oh, my God. Do do you and even your daughter now getting into Pokemon? Do you, do you guys have a favorite Pokemon? Um, for me, I suppose I'm not seasoned enough in the game to really know them well enough. I do. I'm a huge fan of all the Ghost Pokemon. It's like my thing. It sort of harkens back to like I was into more goth stuff when I was in high school, so to say. So I, I love the Ghosts. I love anything that's. I love horror movies. You know, I'm. I mean, I had a subscription to Fangoria. Like you know, that's that's my thing. I love it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, del toro fan you know so the ghost pokemon i love um but the one if i had a favorite it'd probably be victini i think that's what i mean that's what he's called in japanese i have no idea what he's called same in the name West. same name okay because when i first started pokemon that was pokemon black i couldn't care less about the starting pokemon they all seemed totally boring to me i know i'm gonna get some hate for that one <laughs> um <laughs> what's wrong with this guy go back to monster hunter <laughs> my pork chop is awesome <laughs> <laughs> But early in the game, you get over by the, I remember by the water, you can, you can get Victini. Yes. And that to me was my starting Pokemon. And I used Victini for a very long time in that game. So to me, like that was my starting Pokemon. So it has a special place in my heart, Victini. Um, my daughter's playing uh, XY and she picked the one with, uh, it has sort of like the a cute hat and like almost like grass and green on him. I have no idea what his name. Grass and green. I, he's he's he, he looks like a grass Pokemon or something like that. Uh, probably, probably not a grass type. I'm sorry. Probably Chespin. Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. she was complaining that uh, his evolved his second evolved form. He's not as cute as his first one. Yeah. He turns. So she was like asking a, if there's a way to bring him back. <laughs> he turns into like a little chubby hedgehog. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Chespin. But she she really likes him because that's her. But she also likes um, pudding, which is in English uh, Jigglypuff. Oh okay. Oh yeah, that's like so weird that you guys have slightly different names for certain. It's Pokemon. gonna kill me because if I'm playing it in Japanese, I'm going to start learning all the names in Japanese, and I won't know what the heck they're called in English, which is what it <laughs> where I'm at right now. I have no idea. Yeah, some names trans. <laughs> some names are exactly the same, like Pikachu and Victini, but. Yeah, they don't do that but for I'm all of them. I'm totally going for the cat for uh, for um oh for, sun and moon sun and moon. So I'm going for the cat, and my daughter is. Once I told her that um, the seal one is not that popular, the moment I said that, she's like, "It's my boy." <laughs> <laughs> popular. She's like, someone, someone's got to give it some love. Yeah. It's adorable. She's like, I I I feel responsible now for. <laughs> doing it so she's going to pick that one as her starter yeah i actually might go with Populo too just because i'm a big cat cat person i have three cats here so litten to me was the obvious choice but yeah Populo is I'm actually worried about litten though really like cute. I, I it's cute but i'm a little worried that it's going to turn into some husky non-cute evolved form yeah yeah that's I'm, I'm getting worried we're getting close to the game release and they haven't shown what they evolve into and i feel yeah. like that's going to cement my choice exactly because it's like you're only gonna look at that starting form for so long <laughs> <laughs> right right i'm gonna ask pokemon go which team are you uh i am mystic mystic uh oh don't tell my daughter that uh oh what team are you guys we're, we're team valor oh, okay it was hilarious because we went to a water park uh, as a day trip uh not a day trip but like a weekend trip me and my daughter to go swimming and we are in the hotel 
and we get into an elevator and there was another father and two of his sons playing Pokemon Go. She looks and she's she's totally not shy, so she'll just talk to anybody. So she goes, Oh, you playing Pokemon Go? And they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you play as well? She's like, Yeah, yeah. And she's like, What color are you? What team are you? And then they were saying, Oh, we're we're team blue, we're team mystic. And then she looked at the screen and you could tell that the gym for that hotel was Team Mystic. And then she in a very adorable voice in Japanese told them, Later on tonight we're gonna take your gym. <laughs> And sure enough, when we got back to the hotel, first thing she says is, we got to take the gym back. I was like, okay. So we, we, we took it. And she was so happy. That's... She's like, I want to go to sleep knowing that the gym is Team Valor. I was like, good girl. She's like, there's so many Team Mystics here in Japan. We, we got to represent. Team Mystic's huge. I don't know about the West, but it's huge here in Japan. Yeah, I think it's still the biggest team worldwide. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. People get, like the color blue. Uh... I think that's what it is. Nah, I, I, I just liked Articuno we out of the, the three cooler, birds. We have the cooler leader, but uh, <laughs> everybody likes blue for some yeah. reason. So. <laughs> I, just, I just made my choice off with which of the legendary birds I liked the best. Mm. I also think I, I'm always going to guess that Splatoon has an effect on people here in Japan with the idea of color turf fours. I think people weren't always very competitive here in Japan as far as I could see, but Splatoon has really made competitive fun. And um and not aggressive, so it's like you know, blue versus red and stuff like that. So I think it's it's breeding a good mentality in the game industry here for having a fun type of turf wars in, in a cute way. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, I am out of questions. I've, I've kept <laughs> you. I've kept you for an hour here, so I don't know if you had anything else. No, I could talk for hours. <laughs> you have a great show, and it's it's fun talking with you. But I I know you don't want to have a four-hour podcast of me rambling on about Monster Hunter. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, in, in in we could just compromise and just have you back in the future. Yeah, that'd be great. Get me back a, a Monster Hunter thoughts on Pokemon Sun and Moon. <laughs> right. Okay. Perfect. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Because you have a YouTube channel, you have a Twitter. Uh, where can yeah, so where can they can, find you? You can find me on YouTube at Gaijin Hunter. So if you just put in Gaijin Hunter, G A I. Uh, oh, you'll have it in the link or whatever. Yeah. People already know. So Gaijin Hunter, um, you can find me on Twitter at A-E-V-A-N-K-O, A-E-V-A-N-K-O, which is my actual name. I've been wanting and thinking I should redo my Twitter as Gaijin Hunter or something like that, but someone's already taken it. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. So <laughs> A-E-V-A-N-K-O is my Twitter. And I do have a Tumblr, which I don't, I'm not as active as I used to be, but you can find me at Gaijin Hunter on Tumblr as well. Uh, oh yeah. I always forget this. What we're going to do is we're going to, to take a quick break, but Adam, I want you to request our Pokemon of the week so when we come back, we can uh, go in depth with that, make a move set for our competitive people and, and give some people some fun facts they might not know about the Pokemon. It can't be Victini. It's, it's my favorite, so it comes to mind. Yeah, um, no, it can be Victini. I don't think we've ever done Victini. So, yeah, I think that <laughs> people works. People are like, it's such, a, it's such a weak beginning Pokemon. Yeah, Victini would probably be the one. Okay. Awesome. Well, we will take a quick break. Thank you so much, Adam, for hanging out. Find him on YouTube at Gaijin Hunter, and uh, we will be right back.
are back from our final break. Man, this episode, it's long. It's long, Travis. It's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. I'm feeling great. Still pouring here in the Milwaukee area. Uh, we got Pokemon of the Week. That's going to wrap up our show. Uh, before we get to that, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about episodes, future episodes, you just want to write in. I feel like we're dying down with Pokemon news finally. I say that, but then every week they show off 30 new Pokemon. But uh, I don't want to do another email show soon. So if you have any questions or anything you want to email in, you can go to PokemonPodcast.com and hit the contact button or direct email, same place. It's going to be sbj at pkmncast.com. And uh, hopefully we can do an email show in a week or two here where we do some emails. But I'm going to throw it to Travis for Pokemon of the Week. Our Pokemon of the Week this week is Victini. Victini is an interesting Pokemon because it gets access to the signature moves of Kyurem, Zekrom, and Reshiram in addition to its own signature move. V create. So it has a lot of options in addition to just some good moves aside from those. So there are a number of ways you can go with it. One of the options is to do something with choice band to do a physical set. Usually you would do a jolly nature choice band increases the damage of your physical attacking moves, but locks you into one. You would put your EVs into attack and speed and then do V-Create, Bolt Strike, U-Turn, and then Trick to swap your Choice Band onto the opponent and get their item and give Choice Band to something that wouldn't get a benefit out of it and would only get the detriment out of it. That's not the set that I'm going to modify and make our own, but I thought I would throw that one out there because that's an option too. Instead, we're going to make a slight modification on one of the common move sets, which is a mixed sweeper Victini that's often set up because of the power of V Create and Bolt Strike as well, as being a way to take out a lot of defensive Pokemon, a lot of walls. You would call this set like a wall breaker. And it's also got some special moves, uh, typically Glaciate and then. Glaciate or Glaciate, depending on your pronunciation, and Energy Ball for the two special attacks. I'm going to switch that up a little bit. We'll see when we get there. But we'll start from the top. We're going to put most of our EVs in special attack because the physical attacking moves we have are already so incredibly power powerful given their base power that we can uh, that we can afford to put. 160 special attack into special attack and 96 into physical attack with the remaining 252 going to speed. We're going to do hasty nature and give Victini a life orb instead of going. So, so V create is pretty much an auto include given that it's a same type attack bonus move that Victini has access to that has the ridiculous base power of 180 Accuracy of 95, although that's bumped up given Victini's ability Victory Star, which increases the accuracy of Victini and also any of its allies if it's a double or triple battle, although this set is made for singles, so that it increases it by 10%, so that 95 essentially becomes a 100. 
OP. The uh, V creates downsides that it lowers Victini's defense, special defense, and speed by a stage. So typically you use that to either finish off or one-hit KO a Pokemon and then maybe getting an, another attack in because you likely outsped the first turn. So if you finish the thing off, then you could probably get another attack in either with another V-Create or Bolt Strike, you know, or the other moves. Um, then you take a hit because likely you'll be outsped this time because your speed is lowered. But if you can survive a hit, then you then you would switch out after that or switch out after your first V-Create if you're getting to a position that isn't advantageous to you. Second move is Bolt Strike, which is typically the signature move of Zekrom. Bolt Strike is 85% accuracy, which gets bumped up from Victory Star, 130 base power, which is also very high and has a 20% chance to paralyze the target, which is also nice. We're not going to use Blue Flare, which is Reshiram's signature ability, even though having a very strong special attacking move would be nice. It becomes redundant coverage with V-Create, and we're obviously going to choose V-Create over it because of just how high that base power is. Even though it, even though Blue Flare doesn't have a downside, the 180 base power of V-Create is hard to say no to. They recommend Glaciate here, which is Kyurem's, and I see it here, I'm getting this set from Smogon. Glaciate is Kyurem's signature ability. It's 65 base power, 95% accuracy, and is guaranteed to lower the target's speed by a stage. It's a useful utility. Ice is a good a good type to have coverage for. But I know how frustrating it can be when you don't have a... When you have a dual-type Pokemon and you only have Stab for one of those two types. <laughs> Especially... If it's a type like Psychic, Psychic is such a great type to have with a super effectiveness against fighting types and, and poison types. So while there are instances where maybe you would say, eh, I probably don't need both types to be covered in my moveset. Uh, maybe in an instance like if a Pokemon has, has poison as its secondary type. Although that's sort of changed now that it's super effective against Fairy in Gen 6. Psychic is one that... There's so many Fighting-type Pokemon out there that it's hard for me to give up on that. It, fighting is a very common type, given how many Steel and, and Rock types can be in the meta. So mm -hmm. having Psychic to defend against that is a good idea. So I would recommend psych the move Psychic over... Glaciate, but I do recognize that Glaciate gives a lot of utility against dragons and um, can sort of stop sweepers in their tracks by lowering their speed. But I thought I would give you my two cents to sort of customize the set a little bit. And then I would recommend, as they do, either Energy Ball or Grass Knot, depending on if you expect to go against <laughs> a lot of heavy Pokemon, I would typically just do Energy Ball because... That way, that I don't like all of those variables. Because grass is a good type to have. It's good against ground. It's good against rock. Um, water is a type that you can have a lot of trouble with because it's only weak to electric and grass. So having access to that grass move can be helpful. I think 
I think that's it. I think I covered everything, right? Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. There you go. There's some Victini for you. If you get a shiny one, it's going to be white instead of orange, yellow, pale orange. Let's say it's orange. Uh, so it's going to be white instead. Pretty cool. Victini was first shown in the preview of the 14th Pokemon movie at the end of Zoroark Masters of Illusion. Victini's Unova Pokedex number is 000, making it the first Pokemon to legitimately have the number 000 in any Pokedex listing. Victini is the only Pokemon to be listed before the starter Pokemon of its native region. Victini is the only mythical Pokemon or of a later generation to appear next to a mythical Pokemon of an earlier generation. Man, these facts, they're just off the chart. <laughs> Victini has a sh shiny sprite. Pokemon Black and White are programmed so that the shiny Victini cannot be encountered. It shares its traits with Reshiram and Zekrom. According to IGN's interview, Victini is Masuda's favorite Generation 5 Pokemon. Victini was designed by Mana Ibel, and it was, most, it was meant to appeal more to girls than boys. I want to click on this name real quick. We shouldn't do this in an audio podcast. We go down this train of, of, of not knowing. Uh, Mana Ibel is a graphic designer who worked for the Pokemon trading card game and video game series. Ibel's first known involvement uh, of the Pokemon franchise was in the staff of Pokemon Platinum under special thanks. She later illustrated a card in the Arceus expansion, Manetric. In Pokemon Black and White, she's listed under Pokemon Designer. And uh, here are the Pokemon she created. Victini, Herdier, Daramuka, Dar Darmanitan, Ilmoga, Frillish, Jellicent, Axew Fra Fracture, Haxorus, Stunfisk, and Klefki. That is... Those are some... Those are some great designs. That's a... She's great. I love yeah. all those Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, those... That's, that's cool. It's... It's, uh... It's weird that she didn't design Lillipup or... Uh... Stoutland, but she did Herdier. I think that's... strange. That's interesting. She, uh... Maybe Herdier was designed first, and then some other people designed around Herdier. Maybe, yeah. She was uh, Pokemon character design in Black and White 2, Black and White, and Pokemon character design in X and Y, and Pokemon character design, and a 3D art director in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. So I'm not sure if she designed anything for Sun and Moon, but well, I guess we'll find out. And True. finally... In Black and White 2, if Victini is taken to Liberty Garden, it comes out of its Pokeball and dances around happily. Conceptually, it might be drawn from inspiration from Nike, Nike, the Greek winged goddess of victory, or Victoria, the Roman equivalent of Nike. Is it Nike? Nike? I'd, I'm not familiar with this deity. There you go. Its theme of V could be linked to somehow somewhat the fifth generation's mascot, V being the Roman numeral for five. V also derived from the initial uh, of victory. Victini has a lot going for it. It made our list. It's a great Pokemon. Yeah. It made the list. 
that uh that wraps up our show for you guys it was a long one hopefully you enjoyed it i haven't heard anyone complain that the episodes were too long so i guess that's a good sign just me <laughs> just travis i hope you guys enjoyed the stuff with adam super great dude uh we'll be i'll be trying to get a couple more people on before the end of the year obviously timing is timing is the hardest part and uh yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it it's something i enjoy doing i definitely enjoy gaijin hunter and the, the videos that are put out it's usually the first thing that is linked to in the monster hunter channel and slack so if you guys dig it totally if you uh think about getting into monster hunter if that's another game you want to play there are more than enough people that will be willing to help you out in Slack, uh, myself included. But uh, Travis, is that the Travis W? Can I jump in and plug oh, yeah. something else? Yeah, yeah, plug away, plug away. You ever just make a podcast on a lark? <laughs> All you the ever, time. <laughs> you ever just think, I should make a new podcast today? Uh, well, that was me a few days ago. My brother and I used to run a podcast called The Real House which was unfortunately named because it included not only a pun that was hard to understand because it was supposed to be wheelhouse, like the concept of, oh, that's in our wheelhouse, but real house because we talked about movies. But that was unfortunate because we also talked about music, so it didn't really play. It was a bad marketing decision to name it that. We've made a new podcast <laughs> and are probably making all of the same marketing, poor marketing decisions. The show is called Arbitrary Archive. My brother and I have recently both gotten jobs moonlighting at an undisclosed data center, and on our third day on the job, we discovered a self-aware AI buried in a back room. The AI introduced itself as Jeff, that's J period, E period, F period, F period, as it's an acronym. We don't know for what yet, and Jeff instructed us that in some undisclosed time in the future, there will be what he calls the flood, which will destroy all of human culture. And each week, Jeff gives us a word. Um, our first episode, the word was hot dog. So DJ and I had to each pick a piece of media independently that had to do with the word hot dog and review it. At the end of the week, we got our second word, which is beginning. So we both have to pick some media, whether it be movie, TV show, video game, album, that has to do with beginning for our second episode and we'll review it and that's how the show's gonna go we have to catalog all of human culture one word at a time and that's at arbitraryarchive.com or soundcloud.com slash arbitrary archive i don't it's it's not in itunes yet as we're recording this perhaps the rss feed will be approved by itunes uh, <laughs> by the time you listen and then at that point i assume you could just search arbitrary archive and find us there too I have not listened to it yet, but I cannot wait. It's kind of silly. <laughs> if you haven't done so, speaking of iTunes, if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't. It's, uh, we're trying to get to 700 before the end of the year, and I think it is doable as we are at like 640. Uh, and uh, Dungeons and Dragonites every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. If you want to see Excuse an Excuse me, it's called Mythical. Oh, yeah, sorry. Mythical ma mazes and magic carps, I should say. You're the one who changed the name. Yeah, I know. Hey, it's it's been like six months since we started this. Uh, mazes and magic carps Tuesday night, seven p.m. Central Time. If you want to see an actual play podcast, that is po that is a just Pokemon inspired D and D. 
Uh, and that wraps our show. I am at Dragging a Lake. Travis is at the Travis W. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. And this episode is wait, no, that's the wrong podcast. No. Hold on. No, yeah. <laughs> this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. What a dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs>